Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Extreme Rules 2022 post-show right here on Off The Script. I am JD from New York, as always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings, wherever you may be. I know a lot of people were excited about this show, man. I was excited about this show. Extreme Rules on paper was a really, really good show. Did it translate to what we saw on pay-per-view? Yes and no. And I know a lot of people are very picky with what they watch. I would know. 
I think whatever Triple H is doing is working. A lot of people say that I'm on the Triple H bandwagon. I mean, I never jumped off the fucking bandwagon. I watched NXT for pretty much every single year that that man was in charge of that show. And I said it in my early, early days as a YouTube content creator when nobody wanted to listen to me. What Triple H did in NXT was the way of the future. We are seeing that. Extreme Rules was the personification of what NXT TakeOver was in production, in flow, in match length, card length. We even had some of that NXT TakeOver shine with Nikita Lyons and Braun Breaker in the fucking audience, getting the, the TakeOver shine, the TakeOver spotlight during the show tonight. This show was a very good show. Was it a great show? No. This show had its ups and downs. This show definitely had its low points. This show was very divisive online in some aspects. But what everybody came to pretty much sit down and enjoy, and what people really were excited about sitting in that arena tonight at the Wells Fargo's arena, was the return of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was the selling point, the White Rabbit, the viral campaign that swept WWE's universe and turned it upside down was the big selling point for the last four weeks. Everything about it wasn't even four weeks, probably less than that. WWE with this viral campaign with the White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane and the Bunny Rabbit hopping around all these different puzzles and these QR codes that gave us all these different clues for the internet wrestling community to digest and uncover and solve. It was one of the most captivating and brilliant things that WWE has done in a very long time. And I appreciate shit like that because it creates such an amount of buzz that it really sweeps everybody kind of into it, man. You get sucked into it. And that's exactly what we did. Now, obviously... When we went through all these clues very early on, we, we knew it was aimed for Bray Wyatt. We didn't know how it was going to be presented. We don't know if it was going to be him tonight or somebody else with another reveal at some other point. But we all knew it was going to be Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt showed up tonight. This was one of the best returns that I think I have seen in many, many, many years. Not only with the viral campaign leading the charge, the epicness of Bray Wyatt and the anticipation for seeing him was a really huge eye-opening experience for everybody watching this show tonight. I could sit here and go over everything. In fact, I mean, you could just search on YouTube and look at the Bray Wyatt, you know, search engine and look up JD from NY Bray Wyatt or whatever the case may be. We we went live immediately. Soon as that man was released by WWE, we went live and we talked about how criminal it was that they fucked him up and how they let him go. All the damning bullshit that you heard about Bray Wyatt when he was there with his character basically being destroyed right in front of him, his creativity being squashed by an evil madman and Bruce Pritchard. Things coming out about him that 
Some of it may have been true about the depression because obviously he was close to Brody Lee. Nobody's going to tell how that man, nobody's going to tell that man how to grieve. Was there depression? Was there a serious alienation from him, from the, the pro wrestling product in regards to him? Yes. I mean, something like that happens, it's going to be a big deal. But the basis of Bright Wyatt and The Fiend and everything that was supposed to be, even going back before that, the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt, which was my favorite version of Bray Wyatt. They didn't know what to do with him. Such a great gimmick. Still today would fit perfect in WWE, if booked correctly. They killed everything. Guy rose to the top, they brought him back down. Guy basically, with his own ideas, became the most popular entity in the fucking industry, and they brought him back down to reality not in Vince McMahon's WWE. This isn't my idea. I can't let you get over on something that you did. It's got to be coming from me. It's basically what it was at the end of the day. They wanted to control. They wanted to manipulate. They wanted to put their own stamp of approval on it. Meanwhile, all they did was ruin everything he came forward with. And the character really wasn't what we wanted it to be. It was cheesy. It's cartoonish. It was lame. And it didn't sit well with him. And then they ended up giving his fucking gimmick and his character to Alexa Bliss, which is another story for a different day. Bullshit. To see this man back in the WWE once again is going to be such a great thing. Because like I said, I said this a few weeks ago. Now that we know he's back and we've seen him personally on screen, came out with the lantern. Is he going back to Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt? We don't know. Is it going to be a new character with a twist of something new mixed with something old? We don't know. We've seen things of his past now incorporated into this new vision of Bray Wyatt. We've seen the Funhouse, pretty much a scene inside the Funhouse with Huskus the Pig and Abby the Witch and Mercy the Buzzard, all dead. Dead. The Funhouse, basically with no electricity, no lights are on, nobody paid the rent, it's abandoned. Cobwebs and spiderwebs all over the place as if nobody was there for many, many, many years. Almost looked like a haunted home. And then we see Bright emerge from this door with this gleaming white light. He walks through with the lantern. You see it as he walks through the door. He's got this mask that was very reminiscent of... I don't know what it looked like. It looked very vampire-esque. It looked very, very demon-esque. Not the demon, but... It looked evil. I don't know how to exactly put it. I'm sure somebody will uncover what the mask means and what it represents. Kind of reminded me of something Vincent Price, if I'm being completely honest with you. But as far as seeing him, he's back. We know it's him. And I said this a few weeks ago. With everything that we know Bray Wyatt could be, Now with Triple H in charge, how excited are you to see Bray Wyatt work alongside Triple H? How excited are you you to see Bray Wyatt work alongside creative writers that, when he was last there, did not have a voice, and now he has a bunch of different ideas. Triple H even went out and hired Hollywood horror writers to work with Bray Wyatt. That's how invested Triple H is And not only what he's doing, but character development. He's invested in character development and he's invested in making people happy. 
this is going to be a different Bray Wyatt. This is going to be a Bray Wyatt that is hungry. This is going to be a Bray Wyatt that is seeking revenge. This is a Bray Wyatt that is now looking at an opportunity to fix all of the many wrongs, and there were a lot, fix all the many wrongs and make them right. And the one thing that remained through all of it is that the fan base never forgot. The fan base never went away. In fact, the aura and the lore of Bray Wyatt seemingly has only grown in his absence. The fans have never wavered. The fans have never abandoned. Through the ups, they were there. Through the downs, they were there. Through the Vince McMahon creative malpractices, they were there. Through the release, they were there. They waited with bated breath to see where this man would show up. He was back, and he got the biggest ovation that that man has ever seen in his entire fucking career. That is a testament to not only the man's creativity, but a testament to how hungry these fans are to see this man's rebirth in WWE. They know what is possible with this man. They know what is possible with this man under Triple H and the new administration. That reaction was not, you know, a happenstance. Oh, it just happened. It was just for this show. No. This reaction was something that was waiting to be unleashed for the last year and a half. And my God, was that fucking epic. That was absolutely incredible. You know, we can sit here and we can contemplate. It's going to be a very, very close race. Very, very close race for WWE returns. Are you going with Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania or are you going with Bray Wyatt at Extreme Rules? It's going to be a very, very close one. It's going to be a toss-up. I don't know. Sitting here in this chair right now, I have no fucking idea which one I choose. Because I think whatever WWE did throughout this entire viral campaign, that was the most perfect fucking return that you could have possibly asked for. That man, I would love to know. I would love to be inside that man's mind in that moment where he looked into the camera and said, I'm here, and blew out the lantern. The reaction that he got was fucking absolutely chilling. Chilling. Now he's back. Now all the Wyatt Fireflies and the fans can rejoice. We are just getting started. Now what does Bray do? Where does Bray go? Who does Bray feud with? They're not bringing him back, and that man is not coming back unless there is a solid direction in place. Like I said, Triple H has hired Hollywood fucking horror movie writers to work alongside Bray Wyatt. We'll talk about that tomorrow. So obviously there's a direction for Bray Wyatt on WWE TV. Everything that we've seen is just the beginning. Has nothing to do with where he's going. This was the introductory phase to Bray Wyatt. Now he's back. What does he do now? Is he alone? We don't know. We saw these figures in the crowd. We saw somebody dressed as Husk as the pig, shine the spotlight on him. It went black. Same thing with Mercy the Buzzard. Spotlight went black. The Rabbit, spotlight went black. Abby the Witch, spotlight went black. There was even somebody in the front row dressed as the Fiend. Spotlight went black. Does that signify the Wyatt Six? I don't know. 
I don't know what that means. We don't know if he's alone. We don't know if he is coming with a band of people. Everybody is excited about this, and rightfully so. I'm excited about it because I was a fan of Bray Wyatt since the early days of Bray Wyatt, since he first emerged from NXT. There's no reason why this man cannot be one of the biggest stars. He's already one of the biggest stars in the industry. He's basically done nothing. He hasn't really done anything. He's back now. That ovation, that ovation that he received was one for top guy elite in this industry. Can you imagine the excitement in WWE now that he's back? They already labeled this. This is going to set the precedent for shows moving forward. Look at what we've gotten already. You think somebody like this being back is going to not try and outdo himself every fucking time he shows up on television or where they feud with somebody? Bray Wyatt being back on WWE television is going to make the show better. Bray Wyatt is the type of guy you want on your roster because he continues to better himself in every single aspect. Why would you not want somebody like that on the roster? We're going to get the best Bray Wyatt that we've ever gotten on the Triple H. Mark my words. You're going to see a revitalization in him. You're going to see a brand new Bray Wyatt. You're going to see somebody that's hungry. You're going to be somebody, you're going to see somebody that is, like I said, looking to right the wrongs. And right now, it's just him. We saw him for a good five seconds. Now the wait till Monday. Monday Night Raw is going to be very, very interesting. Can't wait to see what they got up their sleeve. I thought tonight was absolutely bone-chilling epic. And they could not have given this man a return any more perfect. I don't want to see The Fiend. I don't want to see The Puppets. I don't want to see The Firefly Funhouse. I want to see good old-fashioned Swamp Man Bray. Mixture of that. Maybe a mix of something new. I want to see Bryce. Enough with the supernatural shit. Enough with the supernatural shit. The supernatural shit worked in the fucking 80s and the 90s with The Undertaker. It's fine. We didn't know any better because we were... Just starting on this pro wrestling journey, right? Now it's 2022. I would love to stay away from the supernatural shit. Triple H, I don't really know if he's into the supernatural shit. I think Triple H wants a little bit more of an adult-themed, realistic product. But that doesn't mean Bray Wyatt can't be successful. Bray Wyatt has the makings, and Bray Wyatt, if they really apply it and fucking work with it, Bray Wyatt could be this generation's undertaker if they want him to be. I'm not saying he's going to be the next undertaker. I'm not comparing him to the undertaker. But with aspects of his popularity mixed with his in-ring ability and the fact that he's an amazing promo, Bray Wyatt has every single thing you would want for a guy to build around that type of aura like The Undertaker. We will see what happens. We will see what happens. Extreme Rules. I thought this was a very up and down show. Started off with an absolute five-star banger of a brawl. Trios match, Texas Tornado Rules, Imperium, and the Brawling Brutes have been absolutely fantastic television. 
any time that they've been on. We're going to talk about it. Then we got Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. I thought it was dog shit. I did not like what they did in that match. It was sloppy. Ronda Rousey, though she is of name value to WWE, still can't grasp how to work an actual wrestling match. She's good at what she does. She's not good at WWE. She sucks, and so does Liv Morgan. I'm sorry to say that to everybody watching me that may be a Liv Morgan fan. I'll probably try and get canceled again by the Liv Morgan fucking stands and the fan base. Liv Morgan, your girl sucks. She was never intended to be a long-standing champion. And I'm glad she is no longer the champion because the division was suffering with Liv Morgan as its champion. Now, don't get that twisted. It's not any better with Ronda Rousey either. SmackDown's division as a whole sucks. But that doesn't mean Liv Morgan needed the championship. They gave Liv Morgan the championship because of the token title victory that it was. And what they produced tonight was probably the worst match of the evening. Then we get to Bianca Belair and Bailey. Very good ladder match. Bianca Belair is always so great in these situations. She carries herself well as champion. She's a fighting champion when she gets into those situations. She is at the top of her game. Bailey, she had a very good match. Kind of risky to put her in a ladder match, a very dangerous match, coming off of the injury that she had been out with. But Bailey seemed to be back on track with what she does best, and that is wrestle. And she had a very good match tonight. It's not a ladder match that's going to blow anybody out of the water. It's not going to be looked at and studied for greatest ladder matches of all time. But what they did is go out there and have a solid match that the crowd was clearly into. And I hope that this kind of rejuvenates people to get on board with what damage control is doing. And I hope this gives a little bit more intensity to Bianca Belair because I feel like she could need it or or use it, I should say, going into what I think is going to be a war game situation between damage control and Team Bianca Belair. The most divisive match of the entire night was Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre. I'll talk about that when we get to it. I thought it was a very laid-out, very well-laid-out match. I thought it was something that I feel could have used a little bit more... I don't want to say intensity because the intensity was there. It was a little slow for my liking. It's definitely a step down for Drew McIntyre as far as what we know he's capable of. And we will talk more about this when we get to that portion of the show. I understand why people do not like Karrion Cross. I, I do understand why people do not appreciate what Karrion Cross brings to the table. I do understand the concerns that one may have for Karrion Cross. That doesn't mean he's bad. That doesn't mean he's a bad wrestler. That doesn't mean he's not worthy of being on the WWE roster. Like I was told all night. He sucks. He's this. He's that. Get rid of him. Vince was right. Give me a fucking break. Give me a fucking break. If you thought the match was bad, you may need to go watch somebody else. It's ridiculous. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle with the fight pit match. I thought it was okay. I thought it was more overhyped than anything. And then when we actually got it, it wasn't as hyped as it was supposed to be with all the video packages and Daniel Cormier and this and that. We'll talk about it. Clearly, everything was blown away by Bray Wyatt. I mean, you put that match on in the main event and then you do Bray Wyatt after. Who the fuck's talking about Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle? 
I mean, they got the short end of the fucking stick, if you're asking me personally. And the match of the night, in my honest opinion, it was Finn Balor and Edge. Finn Balor and Edge are two absolute professionals, master classes of their profession. I was waiting for people to tell me how I was wrong about this match being great, too. I was about to tweet tonight, let me see you guys tell me this match was fucking terrible. What an absolutely epic journey that match took you on. It started slow, and it shifted into the next gear, and the next gear, and the next gear, and the conclusion of that match was one of the most brilliant endings that we've seen to a wrestling match in all of 2022. There's no fucking way you look at that match and you saw the storytelling come out of that match and look me in the face and tell me it was a bad match. Never, never could be a bad match with Edge in the ring. And Balor. Give me a fucking break with this shit. That was Extreme Rules. We're going to go over it. We're going to talk about it. We got 5,100 plus in the venue. I appreciate you guys very much for joining me. Let me get this bullshit out of the way because it's part of my gig. Thank you guys very much for joining me tonight. Follow me on social media if you guys have not done so. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Links are down in the description. Follow me. It's the best place to know what's going on with the channel. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. I need you to hit that thumbs up, man. Normally, it's a 1,000 minimum. Tonight, it is 2,500 minimum for the thumbs up. And I'm going to ask you a very simple question, and you're going to be forced to hit the thumbs up. If you thought the Bray Wyatt return was as epic as I said it was, you're going to need to hit that fucking thumbs up. If you're excited about Bray Wyatt being back in the WWE, I'm going to need you to hit that thumbs up. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. I will be live tomorrow night with episode 447 of Off the Script. Make sure you guys tune in then. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. We see some bombs already. Thank you guys very much for all your support. And make sure you get those memberships in. Hit that join button. Become a channel member. Become a VIP Right here on Off The Script, you got new emotes. Everybody's having fun with the new emotes. You guys got the new and the old emotes. You guys got two new badges as well as the old badges. Tons of stuff. When you sign up for the VIP club, link is down below in the description or just hit the join button underneath the video player. And tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout. To save 20% off and free shipping off Manscaped. A great friend and a great sponsor. Right here on Off The Scripts. Let's get into the top, man. We're going to start with the open. The Brawling Brutes. This is Ridge Holland, Sheamus, and Butch. (laughs) Pete Dunn. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Pete Dunn to be called Pete Dunn. You know what's coming. They went up against Imperium, the Intercontinental Champion, Gunther. Fabian Eichner, a.k.a. Giovanni Vinci. And Marcel Bartel, also known as Ludwig Kaiser. 
The Brawling Brutes and Imperium coming out of last night's SmackDown. This has been the best thing on WWE television outside of the bloodline, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. It is absolutely incredible to watch everything transpire with the Brawling Brutes and Imperium. And I say that because under Vince McMahon, the Brawling Brutes were basically feuding with the New Day. It was almost every single week. It was nothing, nothing but the New Day and the Brawling Brutes. I couldn't wait for it to be over. I was sick to my fucking stomach every fucking week. Then we got Gunther on the main roster. They broke up Imperium. They kept Fabian Eichner, Giovanni Vinci down on NXT. For what reason? I don't know. You call two, two of the three up and leave one of them down on NXT. Meanwhile, Giovanni Vinci is more worthy of the main roster than half the fucking main roster. What else can he do? What else can he learn on NXT? He outgrew NXT. He wasn't even with the 2.0 brand. He didn't even fit the mold. So it was ridiculous that they didn't call him up. I'm like, who made these decisions? So fucking stupid. They only got rid of it and they only broke it up because it was a Triple H thing. That's all they did. Kaiser was nothing more than a microphone guy. He was basically, he was basically Aiden English to Miro with Rusev Day. That's all he was. That's exactly his role with Gunther. Gunther was the Intercontinental Champion. We had rumors that Vince was souring on him two months after his run. They were about to bury him after the 4th of July episode where he destroyed our truth I don't know what the fucking reason was. Vince is a madman. Vince is gone. Good fucking riddance. Now we see both of these groups and look at how epic it is, man. This is exactly what we want to see on the main roster. And the best thing of all, I said this on social media, the best thing of all is that Imperium is so fucking good. And Imperium has been booked so fucking good that the Brawling Brutes, before Imperium was even Imperium on the main roster, they were trending as heels. Imperium is so fucking good, and Gunther is so good at what he does as Intercontinental Champion that they basically overnight turn the Brawling Brutes into the biggest baby faces outside of Sami Zayn on SmackDown. It's incredible. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And you look at Sheamus, and you can't really say anything bad about Sheamus. I mean, if you do, I mean, you're out of your fucking mind. Sheamus is an absolute legend. That man could do no wrong, ever. The man has been, and legitimately, he says it, banger after banger after banger. He doesn't have a bad match. 
Sheamus is incapable of having a bad match. He's real, he's legit, and that's why people love him. You can put him against anybody. It could be Gunther, it could be fucking somebody twice as big as Gunther. Sheamus is going to be a believable threat to anybody that you throw in front of him. And that's why people love him, and that's why people have taken to the brawling brutes. And with Sheamus, with this, this, this lore and this aura over Sheamus right now and how he's working at such a high level, it's actually paying off for Rich Holland and Pete Dunne. Before that wasn't the case. With whatever's going on with Sheamus and Gunther, it is, it is bleeding onto Rich Holland and Butch. And that is a beautiful thing. This is easily the best feud outside of what the Bloodline is doing right now on SmackDown on Friday night. Can't get enough of it. So we got a Texas Tornado Trios match here. This was all-out war, a, a, a huge brawl, a huge spot fest. I mean, there were broken tables and fucking blood already in this thing. Sheamus's chest was already beaten from Friday night. It was already fucking coagulating on Extreme Rules five minutes into the fucking match. Crazy. You love it. This is what you come for. This is exactly what we want come Extreme Rules. There were barrels and bar tops set up all around ringside. So it was basically, they wanted to really recreate a Irish Donnybrook brawl. And they did. Two teams went right after each other as soon as the bell rang. The Brawling Brutes eventually landed a running drop kick on Kaiser before being taken out with a Gunther knife edge chop. Imperium gained control here using the three-on-one numbers game against each of the Brawling Brutes. They sent Sheamus into the steel steps to isolate him and take him out of the match. Gunther, coming out of Friday night, chopped the shit out of Sheamus's chest, did more of the chops on Sheamus. Repeated shots. Then Imperium tried to take him out of the match completely by dropping him hard onto the wooden table bar top that they had outside. Sheamus was taken out. It was a three-on-two advantage for Imperium. And they hit the Imperial bomb to take Ridge Holland out momentarily on the outside. That left Imperium with Pete Dunne in a three-on-one situation. So they... They, they took Sheamus out with the bar top. They did the Imperial Bomb to Rich Holland, and now they're looking at Pete Dunne in the middle of the ring, and they beat him up until Sheamus got to his feet to a standing ovation, and he's looking at Gunther, he's looking at Imperium, and he gets fired up. So Sheamus took out Kaiser and Vinci on the outside. This led to a big face-off with Gunther, and Sheamus in the middle of the ring. Everybody on their feet, giving them a standing ovation. Gunther hit a German. Sheamus came back with lariats that knocked Gunther off his feet. A big power slam. Sheamus then hit the 10 beats. And the Brutes were getting back involved. So it was even odds now. White noise by Sheamus. Sheamus then nailed the bro kick. But Vinci broke up the pinfall with a big springboard splash off the top rope. Big moves all around. This ended with Sheamus hitting a big Irish curse backbreaker, locking on the cloverleaf. Kaiser broke it up with a shillelagh shot to the back of the head. So now the two teams are fighting themselves to their feet. Big brawl happening here. Gunther and Sheamus, forehead to forehead. Strikes going back and forth. Kaiser took out Butch. Vinci took out Holland. 
Sheamus landed a big rising knee for a near fall. Imperium then cleared off the announce table. And this is where things really got going. If it wasn't going already. So Imperium cleared off the announce table and set up Sheamus for the Imperial Bomb through the announce table. Holland broke it up before Butch took them out with a moonsault. He was standing on one of the whiskey barrels and he did a moonsault off one of the whiskey barrels and he took everybody in Imperium out. Gunther smashed Sheamus with a shillelagh right to the face and that set up a near fall. He only got a two count. Crowd was very pleased that Sheamus kicked out. That could have been the end. It's exactly the same way he ended the match last night. On Friday Night SmackDown with the shillelagh shot, clothesline right to the throat. Gunther set up for the powerbomb, his finish. Butch and Holland snapped his fingers. Sheamus whacked him with the shillelagh. Holland and Butch laid in shillelagh shots on Vinci and Kaiser. They were taken out. Sheamus then on the outside picks up Gunther in the Celtic Cross, which is the razor's edge, and puts Gunther through the announce table. Michael Cole was on his game again For some reason, I'm a huge Michael Cole fan now. I'll talk about that a little bit later. He sold the shit out of this. I loved all the bar-like puns that Michael Cole was throwing out there. I loved Corey Graves being as uh, loose as he can be on commentary. I thought they fucking killed it tonight. Kudos to those guys. Now, the Brutes are in control. Sheamus crushed Vinci in the ring, holding him for the Brutes. He did the, the pounding of the chest, big bro kick. I love when Sheamus beats his chest. The crowd, amazing, chanting bro, 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 bro. Unbelievable. Big bro kick to Vinci, one, two, three. And the brawling brutes get revenge coming out of Friday night with that cheap victory by Gunther over Sheamus to retain the Intercontinental Championship. He gets the victory over Vinci, and the Brawling Brutes beat Imperium at Extreme Rules. Absolutely fantastic brawl. I mean, I don't know what else to say about these six guys, man. They just fit perfectly together. This is the warfare that you want to see, not only in general, but this is the warfare you want to see going into Survivor Series. This is fantastic stuff. Absolutely incredible. And the thing is, you know, we've seen two matches now with Gunther and Sheamus. We've seen... Several matches with these guys, whether it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. And I feel like it's not there yet. It's getting there. It's not there yet, but I feel like this feud has a little bit more story for them to really go out there and tell. I don't know what's going to happen going into Survivor Series. I don't know what's going to happen with Sheamus and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. The way that that match ended on Friday, you know it's going to happen again. Where I want it to happen and where I think it's going to happen is going to be two totally different fucking places. This match needs to happen at WrestleMania. This company is built on moments. This company is built on this exact moment. Sheamus has never won the Intercontinental Championship, ever. It's the only championship in this company that he has not won. Gunther has been an absolutely unstoppable champion, and Imperium is one of the best groups of the modern era in WWE. They are incredible together. They were great in NXT UK. They were great in NXT. And they're going to do the same thing on the main roster. This match needs to happen at WrestleMania. How do we get there? I don't know. Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship on a random episode of SmackDown is not going to do it for me. Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship at Crown Jewel is not going to do it for me. Sheamus winning the Intercontinental Championship at the Royal Rumble 
It's not going to do it for me. I feel like we're going to get this match before WrestleMania because, let's be real, it's October, and WrestleMania is in April. But Sheamus should absolutely win his first Intercontinental Championship against Gunther at WrestleMania. That's the story. That's the moment. That's what Sheamus deserves. How many times do we sit here every single time a moment like this arises? The last time we talked about this, and I mentioned this before as well in the past, last time we talked about a moment like this was with Big E. Big E won the WWE title, his first WWE title in Boston. I don't know what week it was. It might have been week one or week two of the NFL season last year. A random episode that did 1.5 million, one of the lowest viewed episodes of Monday Night Raw of all time. They had him win the WWE Championship and cash in his briefcase on Bobby Lashley. You fucking serious? After SummerSlam just to take the belt off Bobby Lashley so that they could give us another match with Goldberg in Saudi. The match with Goldberg should have never even taken place at SummerSlam. It realistically should have been Bobby Lashley and Big E. But the point I'm trying to make is they gave Big E the WWE Championship, a first-time ever accomplishment for him on an event that wasn't WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something of that nature. He can't get that opportunity back. They can try and redo it, but it's not going to be the first time. I don't want that to happen to somebody like Sheamus. You have an opportunity to do the first time ever he wins the Intercontinental Championship. It better fucking be at WrestleMania. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel about that. The other thing I want to mention is, you know, WWE, there's a rumor going around, and you see it. There's factions all over the place. There's Legato Del Fantasma that's just debuted on the main roster. We got Hit Row, we got the Bloodline, we got the New Day, we got the Brawling Brutes, we got Imperium, we got Alpha Academy, and and all these other groups just forming on WWE television, right? With all the rumors of WWE coming up with new titles, could Triple H be leaning into a trios championship for WWE? I don't know. It's a possibility. I don't think anybody would be opposed to it. But with all the factions and the faction warfare that we're seeing, he's obviously taking a page out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's obviously taking a page out of AEW, whether he wants to admit it or not. There's a lot of great fucking factions in WWE. It's becoming a great place for this type of wrestling. Six-man matches, tag team matches, right? This is exactly what we needed. I haven't complained about the tag team division in, in a long time. It's not where I want it to be. But the more factions we see, the more confident I am in the fact that we have tag teams now on WWE television that absolutely can mean something. Now all we need to do is create one set of universal championships and have both champions, you know, the tag team champions float between Raw and SmackDown, which would be a great thing. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But this was a banger of an open. And I'm absolutely loving what Sheamus is doing with the Brawling Brutes, what Gunther is doing with Imperium, and the fact that these six guys absolutely kill it every time that they're out there. Excellent, excellent opener. The Miz was backstage. The Miz was on Extreme Rules, but not in a wrestling capacity. So, Megan Morant caught up to him. She said that she was surprised to see him there with everything that's going on with Dexter Loomis. Miz told her not to say his name. 
He says he's the most in-demand star in WWE, and that's why he's at Extreme Rules. Miz's eyes caught something off camera, and he walked away from Megan, finding the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty, who I think is absolutely ridiculous looking. Gritty offered him an Extreme Rules t-shirt with him on it. Miz threw it on the ground and stomped on it before walking away. So he clearly did not like Gritty, the Flyers mascot. This was not the first time that they had camera time together on Extreme Rules. Ronda Rousey. She went one-on-one with Liv Morgan tonight. This was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was an Extreme Rules match. Ronda headed to the ring first. She wore her judo black belt in honor of her late trainer. She received uh, a mixed reaction from Philadelphia. Not the type of reaction that we've been getting. Ronda's been getting more of a babyface reaction because Ronda Rousey, when she's been on SmackDown, has been treated like Ronda Rousey should be treated, and that is a badass who does what she wants. Tonight, she received a mixed reaction. Liv Morgan followed. She got a little bit more of a babyface reaction, but still a mixed reaction. Just goes to show you that this entire feud has been mixed reaction. So... This entire feud, let's go back to Money in the Bank. Liv Morgan won Money in the Bank. She cashed in on Ronda Rousey after she wrestled Natalia at the pay-per-view. Had their match at SummerSlam, and it was not a good match at all. It maybe, maybe went four minutes at SummerSlam. I think four minutes too long, to be brutally honest with you. At the end of that match, Liv Morgan tapped out. Liv Morgan tapped out. But the referee did not see Liv Morgan tapped out. He was fixated on Ronda Rousey's shoulders who were on the mat clean in a submission hold that she had applied on Liv Morgan, making her tap out. The referee didn't see Liv Morgan tapped out, but she tapped out before the three count was made. He didn't see it. Liv Morgan won the championship through bullshit means. Okay? So Liv Morgan comes out the next week and the next week on SmackDown. The next couple weeks, she's getting booed. On Friday Night SmackDown. People were asking, well, why is Liv Morgan getting booed? Everybody was for Liv Morgan winning the championship and being this big baby face to get her moment as the champion on the roster and blah, blah, blah. The reason why Liv Morgan was booed is because everything that she said leading up to that match, she basically shit all over herself. She ended up showing everybody that she was a hypocrite. I will do anything to keep this championship. You're going to have to pry it from my cold, dead hands, she says. Meanwhile, I see Liv Morgan tapping out to Ronda Rousey, so clearly whatever she had stated was all bullshit. That's why she got booed. Now, this led to Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey again for Extreme Rules in an Extreme Rules match. She goes through Shayna Baszler at Clash of the Castle, and then all of a sudden Liv Morgan wants to adopt this personality of, I need to show everybody that I can do it. I need to show everybody that I am extreme. I'm sorry, now now you want to sell me on the fact that Liv Morgan can't do it and now she's got to find her inner extreme. If she can't find her inner extreme, then she shouldn't be the fucking champion. If she didn't have that inner extreme, she should not be the fucking champion. None of this made logical sense to me. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the Liv Morgan character. I don't know who she is. Ronda Rousey's no better, don't get it twisted. 
And I'm going to say that again at the end of this match. Do not take my words and get it twisted. Ronda Rousey is no better. The Ronda Rousey project, just like the Liv Morgan project, has been a complete fucking failure. She is absolutely abhorrent in the ring. She sells, but that's all she knows how to do. She takes a bump, that's all she knows how to do. She makes things look a little bit believable in there by the way she throws herself around. That doesn't mean she knows what the fuck she's doing. Ronda is sloppy. Ronda doesn't know how to wrestle. Ronda is just there because WWE, for some reason, feels Ronda Rousey is going to bring more notoriety to the women's division. Meanwhile, the SmackDown women's division may be the worst women's division in all of pro wrestling. It is fucking terrible. And it's only going to get worse when Charlotte Flair comes back. This match sucked. This match sucked. And I'm glad that we got the outcome that we got. This was not good. This was easily the most unenjoyable match on the show. It was the worst match of the evening. So, with these two, we have Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey in the ring. Ring introductions are made. Liv tried to go right for She came out with a baseball bat. She puts it in the corner, right? Ding, 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 bell rings. Liv tried to go right for the baseball bat that she had brought down the aisle right at the start of the match, and Ronda stopped her immediately and put her in a submission hold. Liv Morgan countered this submission, similar to what happened at SummerSlam. This was not the only time they went for that specific move in that specific sequence. Ronda picks up the baseball bat, Ronda teases Liv Morgan with the baseball bat, only to throw the baseball bat over the top rope and basically saying, I don't need weapons to beat you. Meanwhile, all this feud was built on was Liv Morgan's inner extreme and Ronda Rousey being a dangerous woman without weapons. Can you imagine how dangerous Ronda Rousey is with weapons? And here she is holding a weapon and she doesn't want to use said weapon. I was turned off immediately from everything that these two women were doing. Actions on the outside. Ronda catches Liv in the ring skirt after she went for a baseball slide. Slapped the shit out of Liv Morgan after catching her in the ring skirt. Ronda picks up the bat now. Now she wants to pick up the bat. She walks over to Liv and Liv has a fire extinguisher to the face of Ronda. Ronda's blinded. Somehow, while blinded, delivers Piper's pit to Liv Morgan on the outside. Ronda takes the baseball bat. Swings, it's at Liv's midsection, and she blasted Liv Morgan in the gut with the baseball bat. She starts hitting Liv with the bat. Not really realistic shots. I mean, if you got a baseball bat, you better start swinging the fucking thing. She took one big swing in the ring. Liv ducked. Liv followed with an enziguri. Liv Morgan now has the baseball bat. Crowd is chanting to Liv, we want tables, we want tables. So Liv, with some weak shots on Ronda, with the baseball bat, ridiculous. Ronda takes off her black belt and starts whipping Liv with it. She tried to tie Liv up in the ring post with it and attack with the baseball bat, which looked fucking ridiculous. It looked so goddamn lame. Liv countered and threw Ronda into the ring steps to evade the attacks. Liv pulls the table out from underneath the ring, slides it into the ring. She sets it up in the corner horizontally. Ronda takes advantage, slamming Liv face first onto the table. Step up knee rocks Liv. 
She starts choking Liv on the ropes, transitioning to an arm bar over the second rope. Now both spill to the outside. Liv grabs a chair, takes it to Ronda's midsection. Back in the ring, Liv sets up the chair and positions it between the second and third turnbuckle. The chair, while trying to go for a move, gets loose from the turnbuckles, falls to the outside. They start stumbling and they start stalling as if they don't know what they need to do next because the chair was going to be the main aspect of this next spot. This is where their inexperience really really comes into play and really becomes the spotlight of the match is their inexperience. They fumbled around into a backstabber, which looked absolutely fucking sloppy, and they tried to get back on track, but it really never worked. So Liv, she throws Ronda into the steel post. She goes outside to go get the chair, brings it back in, starts hitting Ronda with it. Very weak shots. Liv with a code breaker with the chair and then goes for a cover, only gets a two count. Liv takes the table now that was set up in the corner and sets it up in the middle of the ring. Ronda is on the table. Same thing as SmackDown two weeks ago. Morgan goes up top. Hits a beautiful senton. This was easily the high spot of the match. Senton through the table. She hits it. She goes for a cover. Ronda kicks out. Ronda immediately transitions from the table spot and the senton to an arm bar on Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan attempted to go for the same outcome, the same pinning predicament at SummerSlam, but Ronda knew it was coming, and she transitioned into Michael Cole. What Michael Cole said was a biceps crusher. All of a sudden, Ronda wrenches the hold in. Her face is planted against Ronda Rousey's ass cheeks. You see Ronda squeezing this hold. And all of a sudden, you see Liv Morgan smiling. Liv Morgan is smiling, and she passes out. And the referee stops the match. Ronda Rousey wins, and Ronda Rousey is the new SmackDown Women's Champion. This match sucked. Everything about this match sucked. Now, I know I'll probably get people coming after me after this because they can't handle a fucking grown man's opinion on professional wrestling, a scripted sport. Liv Morgan was never meant to be a women's champion. Liv Morgan was not the right champion to lead this division. Neither is Ronda Rousey. Don't get it twisted. Going back to Ronda Rousey is just as bad as keeping the title on Liv Morgan. There's nobody new. Ronda Rousey basically handcuffs the division and doesn't really bring the division up to the level that it needs to be. We need somebody to be a champion that is Sasha Banks or somebody. I would love to see Shayna Baszler win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Maybe that's where we go. Maybe now with Ronda as champion, maybe we get Shayna and Ronda for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I hope so. I certainly hope so. But Liv Morgan is not a very good in-ring performer. Has she gotten better? Yes. But nothing she does is believable. Nothing. One of the biggest things that you need to do as champion is make me a believer. Everything that that woman did was against everything that she needed to be. She wasn't believable. Her offense sucked. All she did was sell herself on... The, the girl who dream comes true and all this other shit. She reached that peak and she never, never 
ascended past that. And I'm sorry to say the experiment was a failure. Honestly, I would have taken the title off of Liv Morgan at Clash of the Castle. We had to wait till October at Extreme Rules to do it in a match where there was no DQ. Because they couldn't have, they couldn't have Shayna Baszler beat Liv Morgan clean. I would have absolutely had Shayna Baszler beat Liv Morgan and Shayna run through the roster because Shayna actually knows how to fucking wrestle and Shayna knows how to do the right thing and get legit heat in a fucking program. And don't tell me I'm wrong because she did it perfectly in NXT. This entire feud between Ronda and Liv was fucking dog shit. The one positive I'll say about this is that this was their best match and that's not saying much because... The Money in the Bank situation, that basically was fucking not even a match. Then they had the fucking next match that they had at SummerSlam. That went four minutes. Can't really base anything off a four-minute match that they basically booked into a fuck finish. And then you give us this. This was easily the best match of the three. And thank fucking Christ, it's over. Thank God it's over. I never want to see Liv Morgan as a WWE Women's Champion ever again. Ever. Drew McIntyre, he went one-on-one with Karrion Cross in a strap match. You know, I, I know a lot of people don't like Karrion Cross. I get it. I understand it. I see this, I watch it, I, I, I observe, I apply. I understand why people don't like Karrion Cross. A lot of people think Karrion Cross is nothing more than just an entrance. Some people would go out there on a limb and say Scarlett is the star of the show and Karrion Cross is the, is the supporting act. Again, I'm not going to argue with you. I can understand your point of view. She's definitely a looker. I will give, I, I will give you that. Karrion Cross is somebody that clearly Triple H has a lot of hope in. He's given a lot of opportunity to. Karrion Cross is going to be on the main roster in a very, very big priority role. Drew McIntyre, we know how good Drew McIntyre is. Drew McIntyre is another guy like Sheamus. He doesn't have bad matches. He doesn't. This was not a bad match. If you're going to sit there and tell me on social media that this was a bad match, I'm going to need you to go back and watch bad matches when Vince was booking Monday Night Raw and Vince was booking feuds on Monday Night Raw with Bruce Pritchard. This was not a bad match. Is it something that I'm going to go back and study and watch and watch over again because I was so in love with it tonight? No. I watched it tonight, and that's the last time I will ever watch this match. I don't care about this match after tonight. But it wasn't a bad match. I said on Friday, and I said this leading up to the match, this match with Drew McIntyre for Karrion Cross is going to be the biggest test of his WWE run so far. If he doesn't go in there and knock it out of the park, Drew McIntyre will not be blamed. Now, I'm watching this match happen, and I'm seeing the story that they're trying to tell here, and I really can't sit here and blame Karrion Cross for the match. I'm going to blame Drew McIntyre as well. I don't think Drew McIntyre did enough on his end to make Karrion Cross look good. The match was very slow. The match was very brooding. The match was very methodical. 
And that's the style and that's the pace that Karrion Cross likes to work. I liked the story of the match where Cross didn't want to put on the strap at the beginning of the match, which led to Scarlett taking the strap because he threw his end of the strap at Scarlett, which ended up leading to her pulling McIntyre through the ropes to uh, let Cross attack before the bell even rung. The bell didn't even ring for a good three or four minutes. I understand. But I'm not going to solely blame Karrion Cross on this. The match did not really live up to the intensity as far as the match flow is concerned. It was brutal, but it did not really accelerate past one speed. That's the problem. And I understand why people don't like Karrion Cross. I'm a big Cross guy. Cross is a dominating figure. Cross has everything you would want in a WWE superstar. He's got the look, he's got the promo, he's got the girl, he's got the entrance. I mean, we're there. We're knocking fucking check marks off the checklist. That's it. He's got it. He's got it. The one thing he needs to work on, as far as I'm concerned, from a, a, a person who's been watching this since he, since he was four years old. I'm 40 fucking years old. I think I know a thing or two about pro wrestling. Though I'm not completely engulfed in the business. I got this show. I do commentary for House of Glory. I know a thing or two about fucking pro wrestling. You want my honest opinion on shit? People take my opinion very seriously. The one thing that's holding Karrion Cross back is that he works at one fucking speed. That's it. Karrion Cross. look at Drew McIntyre. Look at Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre works at a pace. No matter who he's in the ring with, if he's in the ring with tonight, Cross, he's going to work Cross's style, right? If Cross is in the ring with Kevin Owens, he's going to work Kevin Owens' style. If he's in the ring with Sami Zayn, he's going to work Sami Zayn's style. Drew McIntyre is very accessible. You want Drew McIntyre to work methodical, Drew McIntyre is going to work methodically. You want Drew McIntyre to pick up the pace and work at Six foot five, six foot six, 260 pounds. He's going to fucking fly. He can do things in that ring that are very impactful and very up to speed. The match with Roman Reigns was a great example. Look at what he did with Roman Reigns. Not once, but twice. They didn't work a, so- they didn't work a slow, just, you know, very drawn out, quicksand-like match. They could have did that but they picked up the pace. This match never really picked up the pace, and that is Cross's problem. Cross works one style and stays that style to the end of the match until he inevitably wins. That's the one thing that's holding him back. He doesn't go through the ebbs and flows of a match. He doesn't go through, you know, from one gear to the next gear to the next gear and then bring it back down and then really ramp it up. Cross, basically, the best way for me to put it, Cross is basically in... Autopilot. It's basically, he's in cruise control. He's on the Garden State Parkway going fucking 65 miles an hour, the speed limit, and he's in the right lane, and that's all he's doing. Meanwhile, everybody else on a beautiful day has the windows down, music up. I got fucking Symphony X, Odyssey blasting on the Garden State Parkway, and I'm doing 85, 90 trying to get to Atlantic City. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Cross. Because I think what he does is fucking great. I actually enjoyed the match. I loved the story. I thought the story was fine. I thought what they did was brutal and intense for a strap match. Though the rules were slightly changed for a strap match. I don't know. I thought the strap match meant that you got to touch all four corners. This was just two guys beating the shit out of each other with pinfall and submission. With a strap tied to each one's wrist. 
Not good. It's not good. People are already jumping on, oh, this guy doesn't belong in the WWE. I could see why Vince fired him. I could see why Bruce fired him. Triple H brought him back. It's a mistake. He's working the same exact style that he did in NXT and receiving the same exact complaints as he did in NXT now on the main roster. Something is going to have to change. Another thing that needs to change, and I know she's a big intricate part of the act, Scarlett cannot, and, and, and I, I know the match called for it because there's no fucking rules. But I don't want to see Cross win the majority of his matches because Scarlett wants to interject into the match. That's only going to make him look worse. The last time we saw that is Bray Wyatt. How many times did Bray Wyatt sound so fucking menacing and so great and so cryptic and so fucking epic in his promos only to go into a pay-per-view match and fucking lose Lose, 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 lose. People started calling him the eater of L's. The eater of losses. Why say all that shit and then go into a match and not uphold your end of the bargain? Cross is a dominating figure. Cross speaks with a very eloquent tone. Very demanding voice is carrying Cross. Then we get to the pay-per-view and he's going to have his wife do most of the work for him to win the match. Now, I get it. In the pro wrestling landscape, that's probably going to be looked at as, oh, he's just going to get heel heat. Same thing you did with Bray Wyatt. Same thing you did with fucking Andrade. How many times did Zelina interfere in Andrade's matches to a point it it became a weekly fucking thing? The heels don't need interference to win all the time. Not somebody like Cross, anyway. It's going to get old very quick, and it's going to turn on him, and it's not going to be good. Fans aren't stupid. This generation's fans are very, very impatient. They see one thing, they don't like it immediately. That's what they did with this match. Automatically deemed it boring. Automatically deemed it bad because they had a bad opinion of Cross going into the match and it wasn't going to change their opinion no matter how great the match was. You got to see past all that. You got to see the good and the bad. This match was fine. It's not something I'm going to go back and watch. Could have been a lot better if they sped up the pace a little bit. Jessica Carr puts the strap on McIntyre. Cross twice threw the strap away. Scarlett grabbed it. Yanked McIntyre back for Cross to attack. Bell hasn't rung yet. Cross throws McIntyre into the steel post. They brawled all the way through the crowd, around the crowd, working their way back to the ring. McIntyre hit a snap suplex on Cross on the outside. Tried to get back into it. Throwing Cross into the announce table, into the apron. McIntyre hit a jumping side slam off the steel steps onto the ring apron on Cross. Back in the ring now, Cross is finally strapped in. Bell rings. McIntyre absolutely starts blasting Cross with the strap across the back. Nowhere for him to go. He tries to roll to the outside, but McIntyre just follows him everywhere. Scarlett stepped in front of Drew for the first time. Of the night, as a distraction, Cross repeatedly pulled McIntyre into the steel post, shoulder first. Now that the shoulder is the story of the match, Cross begins to have his way with Drew McIntyre, tries to fight back, but Cross continues to whip him. They got sickening shots from Cross on McIntyre, right on the chest with the strap. They go back outside, Cross hits a flatliner right onto the announce desk on McIntyre. Absolutely destroying Drew right now with the strap. Basically whipping him over and over and over again. It was almost like he was in a frenzy. Right across the back. So, 
Michael Cole said that there was an eerie, silent hush over the Philadelphia crowd because of how brutal it was. I don't know if it was eerie because of how brutal it was. I just think people were taken out of the match because it did not accelerate into the next gear. It stayed at one pace the entire match. It needs to change. And I'm going to continue pushing that narrative with Cross. It needs to change. It's not going to be good. He's not a big guy. He's not like, he's not Omas. I know he could do more than what he's doing right now. So do it. Why is he being held back? That's what I want to know. Crowd knows it's not good. The pacing needs to be picked up. So he was working methodical, very slow, very intentional. Saito suplex by Cross. Covers Drew, kicks out. McIntyre gets a second win. Clotheslines, neck breaker, kip up, signature McIntyre. Went for the future shock DDT, cross stopped him. Drew with the spine buster, cover, only got a two count. Both guys now up, slugfest happening in the middle of the ring. Fists, shots with the strap, future shock DDT by Drew, finally connects. Setting up for the Claymore, he counts down. Scarlett gets in the ring and puts her hand up, signaling for McIntyre to stop. She pulls out a bottle. Spray Drew with what they said was pepper spray. That was a hell of a lot of pepper spray if it was indeed pepper spray. I hope to God it wasn't. He's blinded. He starts rolling on the ground, writhing in fucking pain. Cross delivers the cross hammer elbow, which is basically, just think of a lesser version of the hidden blade by Will Ospreay. It's exactly what it was. Cross went for the pin, one, two, three, and he defeats Drew McIntyre with a huge assist from his wife, Scarlett. The match was decent. The match was decent. Not anything I'm going to go back and watch. Like I said, I watched it tonight. I'm never going to go back and watch it again. Now, do I think it could have been better? Absolutely. I do think it could have been better. But like I said, the problem with McIntyre and Cross was not the fact that they aren't good at what they do. McIntyre never really was able to get out of that gear because Cross and his style is one style. There's not much Drew can do with one style. Drew is adept to all styles. And that's the problem that plagued him in NXT, and that's the problem that's going to plague him on the main roster unless things fucking change. Triple H has done a fantastic job with the presentation of Cross. He continues to nail it week after week after week after week. And... He's obviously corrected those wrongs from what Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard did to fucking embarrass him and bury him. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be enough. I expected the finish. I expected some fuck finish with no rules, but it's not needed. But they basically booked themselves into a corner. McIntyre is a huge babyface that really can't suffer another loss after taking a devastating loss and being treated like a fucking geek in Cardiff, singing with uh, Tyson Fury, Kumbaya. Then he goes into this next pay-per-view and loses again to Cross. Can't have him lose clean. So you're basically asking for a fuck finish just by the given circumstances of the no rules in this strap match. You expected interference. You expected some you know, buffoonery there with the ending, with Scarlett. McIntyre is too big of an act. He's too big of a babyface to be meddling and getting this type of reaction. Obviously, 
You know, he clearly deserves another rematch with Roman Reigns somewhere down the line because of what happened at Clash of the Castle with Solo Sokoa. I don't know if they're going to revisit that, but him losing to Cross, you know, it, it, it pulls him further down the totem pole. And I don't really want to see that for him either. Because whereas Cross is new, I understand that McIntyre's been holding WWE on his shoulders as well through most of the pandemic, all of the pandemic, and has done basically anything that they've asked him to do, and he still hasn't gotten his fucking just do either. Not a good look. I understand you wanted to book this match for what it was, but looking back at it, it was also counterproductive at the same time. I don't know where we go from this. Do we get another match at Crown Jewel? Does McIntyre get the win there? And then what happens after that? Cross has already signaled he wants the WWE Undisputed title. I feel like we're just going back and forth here. There's no real outcome here. Cross can't lose. McIntyre can't lose. They both want the world title. What do we do? Seemingly looks like Triple H has run into a wall without a real solid plan for both guys. Moving on. We are going into the women's championship match. This is Bianca Belair and Bailey. Monday Night Raw Women's Championship on the line in a ladder match. I enjoyed this for what it was. I thought this was a very good match. Bailey came to the ring first. This is about making history. He listed all of Bailey's firsts as part of the women's division, noting that she will now be a part of the first ever one-on-one women's ladder match. I I could not believe that that was a legit statistic. I thought we had a ladder match before with one-on-one, but apparently not. Apparently not. Bailey wore blue tape on her wrist with Sarah written on it. Camera showed Nikita Lyons watching from the front row. I don't know what Nikita Lyons was doing on the show, but you're not going to hear any complaints out of me, and I'm sure you're not going to hear any complaints out of my mod, Hooligram, in the chat. Shout out to Hooligram, man. I know he's a big, uh, Nikita Lyons. (laughs) I need a, whoa, I need a, my allergies kick it up, man. Hold on. So Nikita Lyons is outside. And we get Bailey walking down the aisle. Belair makes our entrance. We get the ring introductions. And we are off and running for this ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. No damage control out there. It was Bailey and Bianca one-on-one for now. Both women went for ladders right away. And they were going back and forth for position. We had a little bit of an exchange of climbing and pulling each other off the ladders. Bianca slammed Bailey onto a ladder and followed it up with a springboard moonsault. Bailey returned the exchange by driving Bianca into the corner with a ladder. She then landed a sunset flip onto the ladder in what I thought was one of the coolest spots of the match. We've seen it time and time and time again, but to see the ladies do it, it was nice. There was a long period of time at one point in this match where Bailey did not know what she wanted to do. She couldn't decide what she wanted to do with the ladders. This is where the match really hit a negative for me. And I'll explain more when we get to the end. 
There was a period of time where Bailey didn't know what she wanted to do. She set up a ladder bridge between the steps and the barricade, prop Bianca up onto it, landed a huge running elbow drop, running off the ring apron, onto the ladder, onto Bianca. It looked great. So whatever she decided to do really looked good in execution. They go back in the ring. They both trade climb attempts back and forth. Bailey dumped Bianca out of the ring on one of the attempts. Bailey altered her knee brace, sitting in the middle of the ring, altered her knee brace, but Bianca avoided a knee strike with the knee brace in the corner and hit the KOD. She then climbs the ladder, and all of a sudden, Dakota Kai and EO Sky damage control. The WWE Women's Tag Team Champions come on out, and they push the ladder over, obviously knocking Bianca off in the process, uh, pretty much throat first onto the top rope. Bianca made a comeback in what was everybody's favorite part of the match. She had Dakota and Io up on her shoulders, both of them. Coming out of the corner, she made her way back to her feet. Somehow Dakota and Io were on her shoulders, and she hit a double KOD on both Dakota Kai and Io Sky. It looked impressive. At that point, she pretty much exuded all of her strength. So at this point, I thought that she was really going to be on the receiving end of a loss here. I thought all this was leading to a Bailey championship victory. Bailey took advantage of this with a ladder shot on Bianca. Bailey then hit the rose plant, set up the ladder. Bailey is climbing the ladder. Bianca is basically underneath the ladder. They trapped Bianca underneath the ladder. So Bianca, uh, you know, she crawls out from underneath the ladder enough to push the ladder off, and Bailey goes flying off the ladder sending Bailey crashing into the ropes. So once they both recovered, they raced to the top of the ladder. Bailey grabbed Bianca's hair and used it to send her down off the ladder. Bianca recovered and whipped Bailey with her braid. Not as bad as she whipped Sasha, but you still heard the snap of the braid on Bailey's flesh. She had Bailey with a KOD on the ladder, climbed it, retrieved the championship, and she retained the championship. This was awesome. The KOD was awesome. The KOD on the two ladies before it was awesome. The KOD on Bailey. Bailey was holding uh, one half of a ladder that was broken, and the KOD onto Bailey with the ladder in hand looked great. She then climbed the ladder, retrieved the title, and she won the match. Before anybody jumps down my throat, I thought the match was fun. Okay? I thought the match was fun. You know, I say it every time with ladder matches, it is damn near impossible to go into a ladder match because we've seen so many. We've seen an abundance of ladder matches throughout the years. You know, more lately because, you know, people are void of creativity nowadays. It is very difficult to one-up yourself in a ladder match. It's very difficult to be creative in a ladder match when you've basically, basically seen everything that there is to see in a ladder match. But the ladies pulled it off well. There are a couple of things I like about the match. I, I thought Bailey wrestled well. I thought Bianca Belair wrestled very well. I, I think Bianca Belair, the way she is treated as champion, that's exactly what you want to see. Depending on who you talk to, some people are being, you know, some people are souring on Bianca Belair. I may be a part of that uh, that souring camp, but I'm not fully in there yet. I, I know what she brings to the table. She is very good at what she does. She's a very good pro wrestler. 
She's over. She's an influence to the young children. I get it. Could she be a little bit more intense? Could she be a little bit more championship forward when it mattered? Yes. A lot of skipping, a lot of jumping, a lot of twirling, a lot of smiling. You know, I don't mind that when she's in the middle of a, or the beginning stages of a feud, but when when you're walking into a ladder match, you, you know, no skipping, no smiling, no jumping, no twirling. Business. That's where I want to see the EST come out. I feel like we see more smiling and everything else and not enough of the EST. That's what I want to see. But Triple H and the way that he's handled Bianca Belair in the two months, two and a half months, her as champion has been treated with prestige and her as champion has been treated as a champion should. So I will give him that and I will give her that. Although Bailey looked good. Although Bailey in her first match, big match back like this, she looked very good. I still think that there's something missing with Bailey. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the lack of chemistry that damage control has. I don't know if it's a little hesitation on Bailey getting back out there after such a serious injury that kept her off the shelf for so long. I don't know if it's still butterflies. She almost seems disinterested sometimes when she's out there. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I mentioned all these things already before this. I mentioned all of these things talking about why damage control isn't as over as they should be because they, they came in like gangbusters and they were hot and everybody was excited for their arrival. But Bailey leading the charge, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's butterflies. Maybe it's confidence. You know, she's taking a little bit of time to get back into that natural groove after being away for a, you know, a long time. Over a year she was away. But this same thing happened when Bailey. Went from Bailey buddies being a babyface and the pigtails to being a heel. Then she cut her hair. She drastically changed her look. People were like, what the fuck? People were liking culture shock. They were in shock. It took her a long time to really find herself as a heel. And when she found herself, I mean, she was fucking fantastic. She basically held the WWE on her shoulders with Sasha during the pandemic for that women's division. They were the top act in the industry. I feel like we're back to that with Bailey. And I don't know how long it's going to take before we get that Bailey back because right now she's not operating at her best. And we know it. She knows it. But what they did here was very good. And Bailey drew heat, which was good. Bianca, she looked good as far as the way she is as champion. The one takeaway from the match. And I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. The ladders that they gave the women to use tonight were overly large. I thought they were too big. I felt like there was a lot of fumbling with the ladders. There was a lot of, you know, spots where the ladders weren't cooperating with Bailey and Bianca Belair. I I don't know why they need to regulate how high the fucking ladder is. Regulate it like the men, right? And give the ladies the fucking 25-foot ladders. You got Bailey out there. How tall is Bailey? Five foot two? I mean, give me a break. Why don't we use the smaller ladders for the women's matches? It's not a bad thing if we go and cut down on the size of the ladders and cut down on how high the fucking belt is hanging from the ring. Why? It's the one thing that took me, you know, out of the match and and really made me say the one negative about it is that. But it was a good ladder match. It's not going to be one of those things that you go back and study. It's not going to be talked about in the annals of WWE history as being the best ever. 
It's not going to be something that you claim is, oh my God, a must-see ladder match. It was fine for what it was. I expected Bailey to win, but Bianca got the win and she retained the title. Don't know where damage control goes from here. Bianca beats all three ladies. Damage control seemingly disappeared after their inclusion in the match. She beat Bailey one-on-one. Where does damage control go from here? They have no excuses now. No excuses. If damage control isn't over, yes, the charisma and the personalities don't clash and Bailey isn't where she needs to be. But WWE creative, as far as damage control, isn't really doing much to help their causes either. So I think they're right now at a point where they're at the lowest that they've been since they've come in at SummerSlam. Moving on. After the ladder match and Bianca retaining the championship, we got Mike Rome. He was going over the rules just before You Think You Know Me rang out, and Edge came out to a massive pop in Philadelphia. So we got the Rated R superstar coming on out. He got his entrance. Finn Balor got an entrance. He comes out without Judgment Day. Finn Balor came out without Judgment Day, came out to his new remixed music. He came out kind of the way the demon used to come out. But we got Finn Balor wearing this. It looked like a dominatrix mask. It was all, it was all studded. It looks, uh, I don't know if it was studded or had spikes on it. You, you obviously could see his eyeballs and his eyes, his face faintly in the mask. But he had his entire face covered. He came out, he did the whole, the whole demon thing in the purple lighting with the smoke. This evil Balor and the presentation of the evil Balor, I said this online, it was fucking great. I thought the, the presentation of Finn Balor solo tonight was awesome. Can't ask for anything better, man. So we got Edge and Finn Balor in an I Quit match, and this was one of the matches that was in the news before the show went on the air, and it was stated that this would get a lot of time. And they did. They got nearly 30 minutes of time. And my God, was this fucking great. This was easily the best match of the entire night. And nothing was even close. The second best was the six-man tag between Imperium and the Brawling Brutes. But not even that, with how good that was to open the show, even came close to this. Now, the entire match wasn't a fucking banger. Again, this went with the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows, right? This match started off slow. I was getting a feeling of, oh, my God, the crowd is dead for this match, too. We're going to get a fucking repeat of Cross and McIntyre with Edge and Balor. Please, I hope to God not. Yes, it was slow. Yes, the crowd was a little bit out of it, but I'll get to that in a second. So the official had a microphone ready to ask either competitor Do they say, I quit? You need to hear the loser say, I quit. This is the tradition with I quit matches. I'm very skeptical about I quit matches. I'm very kind of iffy with the I quit matches. I always think that, you know, having the referee go up to the competitor, no matter who it is, male or female, asking them, middle of the match, I quit. Do you say, I quit? Do you say, I quit? You know, sometimes it could be good. Sometimes it could be cringe. Uh, This case, it it was awesome. I didn't mind this between Balor and Edge. 
Triple H has booked Judgment Day. To me, I thought he's done a fabulous job with Judgment Day. They feel like a true stable. They feel like they have purpose. They feel like they have direction. Whereas Finn Balor, you know, he wasn't going to really be considered much of anything under Vince McMahon. Finn Balor, he feels like a leader. He acts like a leader. He acts like a dominant entity on the show. Damian Priest has gotten exceptionally better with his promo. Dominic Mysterio doesn't feel out of place where I thought he was going to feel out of place if he did end up in the group with Vince McMahon running things. Rhea Ripley has been fucking brilliant in her role. The lack of in-ring for Rhea Ripley doesn't even bother me because the Monday Night Raw women's division is stacked the way it is right now. They don't need Rhea Ripley to do anything. Rhea Ripley has taken on a role as a whisper in the ear of Dominic, manipulating Dominic. She's like the devil on his shoulders that he can't really shoo away. And I think that's a perfect role for her. Smile is infectious. Her smile is also very sadistic and evil in the same way it is attractive. It's fucking great. It is so good. She's taken on the role of enforcer. She's taken on the China-like role in Judgment Day. And I don't know if I would have it any other way, to be quite honest with you. This is the best Rhea Ripley has looked on the main roster, and it's not even a discussion. Not even a discussion. Judgment Day as a group has been great. Where they go from here, I mean, after tonight, I'm fu- I can't wait to see the reaction on Monday. If this, if this doesn't make them the top heel act in the company next to the bloodline, I don't know what will. This was great. So, Balor was dominating. He went after Edge's left knee, locked on a figure four. Edge wouldn't quit. Balor continued to dominate for a long, extended period of time. Edge was defiant and saying, no, no, I don't quit. I don't quit. Get the mic away from me. Crowd was a little quiet during the beginning portions of this match, but that was the beauty of this match. Edge started finally making a comeback by driving Balor, Balor through the barricade. They brawled into the arena floor. We saw them on the pre-show set on the kickoff panel's desk where it's all made of glass. There was a nice spot there where Edge found a hockey stick. Obviously, we are in the home of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he was choking Balor with it, basically on the kickoff panel table. They climbed up towards the concourse. Balor repeatedly sent Edge into the wall. Edge counted with a running attack. Or Edge counted a running attack by sending Balor into the fucking concrete hanging in the mezzanine level, the hallway into the mezzanine. So they were basically fighting in the crowd. He threw him into the entranceway. It was crazy. So Balor was in trouble. Edge was basically in control here. Balor somehow regained control. And they were working towards the ringside area. They got back into the ring. Balor attacked with some chair shots. He was saying, screw you, Finn. Edge was when the referee went up with the microphone and asked if he quit. I don't quit. Screw you, Finn. Balor locked on a crossface. Edge still would not quit. Edge gained control again by sending Balor into a chair that had been propped up in the corner. This time it didn't fall like Liv Morgan's chair. Edge laid in share shots on Balor's left leg. He locked on an inverted crab, but Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio ran out to break it up. This is where things got taken to the next level. I quit match. There's no rules. 
Judgment Day, they waited for the right time to show their faces. Edge fought them off. He speared Balor through the ropes onto Priest and onto Dominic. He set up for another spear, but Rhea Ripley appeared out of nowhere. Edge was standing in the corner, readying for a spear. Rhea Ripley comes over, handcuffs him. Handcuffs Edge on the top rope, and now he can't go anywhere. This is where the match started slow. It built up. We seen Judgment Day get involved. It went from fucking gear one. We're now in fucking gear seven right away. So it went from one all the way to seven, and we are now getting to a point where things are just boiling up. It's like that volcano about to fucking erupt. I'm like, I'm here for this shit. I know this is going to get good. So he's handcuffed. Judgment Day surrounds Edge. He fought off, tried to fight off valiantly like a babyface. He was eventually taken down and just overwhelmed by the numbers. Three on one, four on one. Balor attacked with a kendo stick until Rey Mysterio's music hit. He comes out. He ran out to make the save. Ray took out Balor, hit a 619 on Priest. Dominic Mysterio attacked his father for the first time since he joined Judgment Day. And he put his hands on his father, threw his father into the barricade, attacked his father. Booze. This is where we go to eight. We're on, now we're on the Richter scale, eight, right? So with Dominic attacking his father, people were fucking shitting all over Dominic. And Balor resumed attacking Edge with the kendo stick. All of a sudden, we see Beth Phoenix get involved. Now we're up to a nine. Now Beth Phoenix is in the ring. Edge's wife showed up, took care of everyone. Rhea Ripley is standing there, licking her lips. And Beth Phoenix is standing in the ring. They meet face-to-face. These two women meet face-to-face. And Beth Phoenix even says, this is what you wanted, Rhea. This is your dream match. I'm making your dreams come true, she says. So they start brawling. Beth took out Rhea with a spear. Freed Edge from the handcuffs. This allowed Edge to spear Priest. Dominic and Edge were alone in the ring. Dominic pleaded with Edge not to attack him, but Edge low-blowed him. This distraction was enough to allow Balor to hit a sling blade on Edge. Edge fired back with a spear out of nowhere, then a second one, and a third one. He was about to win the match. Edge was about to win the match. He wanted to win with the crossface. Submission. Rhea took out Beth Phoenix from behind. Now we're at a 10. Now we're at a 10. Beth Phoenix is knocked out by Rhea Ripley from behind with brass knuckles. Priest and Dominic took out Edge. Balor landed. Not one. Not two. Not three. Uh, three. Three coup de grace. Uh, four. I, I could have went on and on. He, I thought he was going to continue doing Three coup de grace off the top rope. He demanded Edge to say, I quit. Edge told him, go to hell. So all of Judgment Day restrained Edge. They lifted him up. They had him propped up, right? He's on his knees. Rhea Ripley knocked out Beth Phoenix, who's laying face first on the mat. He sees this. Edge sees Beth, his wife, knocked out. He didn't know she was knocked out before. Now he sees it because Judgment Day is making him see it. This led to Edge being concerned. He's looking over at his wife. Beth, 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 are you okay? Not answer. She's knocked out. All of a sudden, Rhea Ripley goes to the outside. She gets two chairs. 
She places a chair underneath Beth's face, and she's about to deliver a concerto. Edge, in the heat of the moment, says, I quit, I quit, I quit, to save his wife. He gave up. He gave Balor the victory to save his wife. What did Rhea Ripley do anyway? After Edge said, I quit, she gave him one of, she gave her one of the most devastating concertos I have ever seen. And Rhea Ripley blasted Beth Phoenix. Anyway, after Edge gave Balor what he wanted, I quit. At the end, they let Edge go. Edge crawled over to his wife. They lingered on with the camera. It was a moment. And you may think I'm a little silly for saying this, but I don't want to say I got emotional during the match, but I got emotional to a point where the pain on Edge's face and the simple fact of a man looking at his wife on the floor get knocked out, not knowing she was knocked out, basically even, you know, Rhea Ripley doing more harm to her when it's not needed, basically throwing his name out there and his body on the line to save her. That was an emotional moment for a lot of people. Now we're up to an 11 with the story. This entire match was fucking great. The way it built from stage one all the way to stage 11, going through the, the, the motions and going through the slow parts in the beginning, building up to when, you know, Dominic and Rhea Ripley, uh, Rhea Ripley and Edge got, uh, Damian Priest rather got out there, Rhea Ripley handcuffing Edge, Rey Mysterio coming out for the set, all of this just transpiring leading to one thing, the layers of this match, the storytelling of this match, leading to the fucking conclusion with Beth Phoenix getting involved, which was basically the cherry on top of this beautiful fucking cake. Everything about this was brilliant. There is absolutely no way you watched this match and thought this was anything but match of the night. This is how good Edge is. You know, Think back to two months ago, two and a half months ago. Judgment Day was, ah, Judgment Day, led by Balor, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest, right? This is before they got Dominic. This group is dead in the water. I said it. Everybody said it. Get rid of them. They're not going to go anywhere. Vince is going to end up killing this group off, and they'll be nothing. They'll be jobbers. Exactly where they were going. Look at where they are now. That was a calculated, cold-hearted, devastating attack to a point that it will, it will take Judgment Day to the next level of superpower on Monday Night Raw. You know, we talk about this faction bullshit in pro wrestling. This is what you want out of a faction. Cohesively working together with a solid fucking plan and a cause. Right now, they're feuding with Edge. We didn't know Beth Phoenix was going to be there. I predicted this a couple weeks ago. I guarantee Edge doesn't quit, and something happens in this match to a point where it forces Edge to quit, whether it's his daughters or Beth Phoenix herself getting involved. And this is what happened. Said this weeks ago. Beth Phoenix is going to get involved and Edge is going to say, I quit because she's going to be compromised and she's going to be attacked and she's going to be threatened. And he doesn't want anything to happen to her. Absolutely incredible. Masterclasses of their, of their profession. Balor and Edge. I have nothing bad to say about this. Nothing. It is absolutely brilliant in every sense of the word. Michael Cole. Remember when I said Michael Cole is becoming my favorite commentator right now in pro wrestling, which 
I, it, it stuns me to even say that. Michael Cole's performance during this match is exceptional. Think back to SummerSlam when Michael Cole and Corey Graves called that Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match and how great that match was because of the commentary team. This was even better. Dominic attacking Rey Mysterio. Michael Cole called it brilliantly. The whole thing with Edge and Beth Phoenix and Beth Phoenix being knocked out and Concerto. Michael Cole was fucking phenomenal tonight. It is unbelievable to me how this company survived with the fucking draconian ways that Vince McMahon led that locker room. Imagine having these people fucking go and do what they got to do with Vince McMahon on a fucking short-ass leash, being told what to do, what to say, how to say it, what to do, this and that. Now look at the way they're operating under Triple H. It's almost as if they're all human beings now. It's like the dark days are lifted and the fucking sun is shining and people can actually be fucking human beings and show human emotion and mention a PWG and mention a fucking New Japan and mention stardom and mention just fucking whatever the fuck you want. As long as it's accessible and it makes sense for the story. They both killed it tonight. Michael Cole and Corey Graves were fucking great in this match. Unbelievable. Match of the night, no question. Backstage, Miz, he was once again with Gritty, the mascot for the Flyers. He was approaching Triple H's locker room. Gritty tapped him on the shoulder, offering him a T-shirt again. Miz attacked Gritty, knocking him to the floor, continuously kicking him. Miz finally got a hold of himself. He backed away. And right behind Miz was Dexter Loomis. Loomis dropped the Miz, choked him out, helped Gritty up. Gritty kicked the Miz in the stomach and then walked away with Dexter Loomis. You know, on a show that had Bray Wyatt and the reveal of the White Rabbit, we got Dexter Loomis in the back attacking The Miz. This is now two months, and we don't have a single fucking crumb as to why Dexter Loomis is attacking The Miz. Not one answer, not one clue, not even half of an answer. I don't understand it. I think The Miz and Dexter Loomis have been very good together on TV, but I think it's at a point right now where we need answers. Why? And why has Miz refrained from giving us any solid information about where Loomis has taken him, where he was abducted to, what he's done to him? Nothing. A lot of people were piecing the puzzle together thinking that Loomis was a part of the Wyatt Six. We don't know. He still ended up being a part of the, the Wyatt Six. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we got zero answers as to why Loomis is attacking the Miz. And I'm quite frankly nearing my expiration date on this. We need something. Moving on. We got the main event. We got the fight pit match. First time on the main roster with Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. Special guest referee was Daniel Cormier. This went about 15 minutes or so. And I enjoyed what these two guys have done. 
I think this match was in the grand scheme of it all. It didn't live up to the hype that we've seen in the video packages with the match that they had at Clash of the Castle. The feud itself. I feel the match was a little bit of a letdown compared to what we've seen between these two guys on television. The sit-downs, the verbal back and forth, the insults back and forth. Not to say that it was a bad match. It was not anywhere near a bad match. I just didn't feel like it's gravitated or grabbed me to a point where I could say, oh my God, man, that that main event was fucking great. What a closing match for the pay-per-view. It's a good match. It had cool spots. They worked their ass off. Daniel Cormier didn't make himself the spotlight of the match, which I was afraid of, with him being who he is. It was good. But it wasn't anywhere near where the level of hype brought it to. It didn't reach that at all, in my honest opinion. Riddle, he used the cage structure to his advantage early on. He hit a step up in Zuguri. He laid in some palm strikes, leading to Cormier, pulling him off. There was a little bit of a distraction, which allowed Rollins to attack and gain control over Matt Riddle. Cormier had to lay down the law because Rollins put his hands on Cormier, and Cormier got in his face and said, don't you put your hands on me again. I am the official. Do not put your hands on me. Rollins backed away very quickly. Riddle attacked with some chops. Rollins sent him into the cage. Cormier made it to an eight count. Now, the fight pit match, no pins. Uh, no submissions, uh, actually just submissions, no pins. That was it. It was just tap. It was basically cage. So you got to tap your opponent out or quit. So we got Cormier. He's counting eight before Riddle got up after Rollins sent him into the cage. Rollins attacked with super kicks, laid in some punches to the back of Riddle's head. He then suplexed Riddle into the cage. Rollins was taking a little bit of time here, kind of gloating, and took too long to get to the next sequence, allowing Riddle to surprise him with an RKO out of nowhere. So Rollins reversed a second RKO attempt, hit the curb stomp. He went for a stomp on the top of the cage, but Riddle avoided it. This is now leading to Rollins climbing up to the top of the pit. So he's up there, and there's a platform on top of the cage, which looks super cool. Uh, so he's on top of the structure now. Riddle pursued him, climbed up there, locked on a jumping rear naked choke around one of, the sh- one of the chains holding up the actual structure. Rollins escaped and repeatedly drove Riddle into this steel chain, hit a power bomb. He hit a fucking buckle bomb on the cage, on this platform, which was very narrow. So any, any misstep, they both could have fucking fell to their doom on this thing. Power bomb into the cage wall. Followed up with a pedigree on the platform. Cormier couldn't count Riddle out because he wasn't in the ring. Rollins continued to plead his case with Cormier, allowing Riddle to an RKO on the platform. Rollins wanted to count, but Cormier says no. So this distraction led to Riddle with an RKO on the platform, which sent Rollins rolling down the side of the cage and into the ring. In one of the sickest spots of the entire show, And I would be shocked if Seth Rollins doesn't have a broken rib or two. Or maybe Riddle himself with a broken tailbone. I don't know. But they had to be at least 20 feet up in the air. Maybe more. So Rollins is laying down 
after the RKO spot, rolls down into the ring from this platform. Had to be 20, 25 feet up. Riddle is standing on this platform looking down. It looked like he slipped, and he didn't get all the air that he needed to land on Rollins. He got him, but he didn't get any air. He does a senton off this fucking platform, 20, 25 feet up. He lands directly onto Rollins, crushing his insides, injuring himself in the process. It was a legit holy shit moment. Unbelievable. Rollins looked like he was legitimately out of breath. And Riddle sold the shit out of it to a point where he may have a bruised or broken tailbone at the end of it. So, he went flying, and then Riddle went for a triangle, maintaining the hole. Rollins tried to buckle bomb him into each corner of the fucking cage. Riddle eventually forced Rollins down, and Rollins tapped out. Matt Riddle wins the fight pit match and gets his revenge over Seth Rollins at Extreme Rules. Very good match. Again, not something that is going to be memorable, but it was a good match to serve as the closing match, the ending of this Riddle and Rollins saga that we've seen on Monday night. Rollins beat him at Clash. Riddle beat him in a match that he personally helped design. The fight pit match was the end of the Rollins and Riddle feud. That's it. Can't complain about that. And once again, I want to make sure you guys know Rollins, once again, selfless in his WWE run. Once again, giving a win to Matt Riddle, just like he gave Cody three different times. Seth Rollins may not be the MVP of WWE, but Seth Rollins is the most selfless act in all of the company. Hasn't compl- Well, I guess now that he's complained on Ariel Hawani, he wants to be number one. He feels like he can't be number one in a Roman Reigns-led WWE. I mean, that's not Seth Rollins' fault. He's only speaking fact. What Rollins said to Ariel Hawani is fact. It's not his fault. There's nothing that he can do. There are things that he could do if he wants to be a number one somewhere. I don't know if he's going to end up leaving WWE to go pursue that like John Moxley did. But Seth Rollins, selfless once again, showing you why he deserves, at some point, his fucking flowers too. He's been exceptional all year. And I don't know if people are going to pick up on that or... Maybe they have noticed and they don't really care. But once again, Rollins shows you why he is one of the MVPs of WWE. At the end of the match, all of a sudden we see Daniel Cormier and Matt Riddle walking up the ramp. The lights go out. The lights go out. They disappear. Rollins disappeared. By the way, during the fight pit match, people were chanting, we want Wyatt, we want Wyatt. I can imagine what Seth Rollins is thinking in his head. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. I got upstaged by Roman Reigns. I'm upstaged by John Moxley over in AEW. Now I'm upstaged by fucking Bray Wyatt once again in a fucking steel cage match. And my goddamn match is ruined because of him again. Fans chanting, we want Wyatt. We want Wyatt during his match. Not really a good look. Not really a good look. He just felt in the beginning stages of that fight pit match that people were anticipating Bray Wyatt and all they wanted was Wyndham. Lights go out. Immediately, all we see is flashlights, fireflies in the Wells Fargo arena. So, 
The lights are out. We see this creepy rendition, or hear rather this creepy rendition of he's got the whole world in his hands. It played on repeat. And while it played, the camera panned out, looking at the audience, zooms in on different parts of the arena. So we see Firefly Funhouse characters in human form. We see Huskus the pig. We see Mercy the buzzard. We see Abby the witch. We see the fiend front row, right? We see the rabbit. We see all the Firefly Funhouse puppets in person. People wearing masks. Are these people with Wyatt? Are they going to be the Wyndham Six? Are they going to be coming in with Bray? I don't know. I don't know. So they did this with all the different characters. All of a sudden, we see a camera cut to a door in the entranceway. And light was peering through the door. And then we get an old TV cut-in showing creepy visuals and a masked face saying something that you really can't make out. Camera cut to, to the door again, and the light was growing brighter. It got brighter from the last time that we saw it. The door flew open, and we see images of the Firefly Funhouse. We see the images of the Firefly Funhouse. We see inside the Firefly Funhouse, we see a camera pan over. We see Mercy the Buzzard hanging over his box, dead, filled with cobwebs. We see Abby the Witch dead in her window, cobwebs. We see all the lights out. We see a, a TV, like I said, with the fucking masked guy on it. We see Huskus the Pig dead on his countertop. The rabbit dead. Cobwebs all over the place. This door, growing brighter, opens, and we see a lantern. We see a lantern in the doorway, filling the whole space. We got a holy shit, holy shit, holy shit chant ringing out in Philadelphia. The person that we saw in the TV, the mask from the TV, we saw emerge from the light, walking through the door. He slowly removed the mask, and it was indeed Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is back in WWE. He looked into the camera, he peered in. I'm back. I'm here. He blows out the lantern. The lantern goes out. We see a Firefly graphic appearing on the screen, the same Firefly graphic that Wyatt has used as his Twitter profile picture. And we got the classic Wyatt family cut out end to WWE Extreme Rules. Honestly, you know, the fight pit match giving way to Bray Wyatt was basically saying how unimportant that match was. But WWE, there's nothing that they could do about it. No matter who you put on that in that segment, it was going to be unimportant. Everything that happened in that match, which was a good match, but it was disappointing to me, wiped away as whatever. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's going to be talking about it. They're going to be talking about what happened after the match, and that is Bray Wyatt's return. This was awesome. Everything about this was epic. His return was epic. I loved everything about the way that they did the entire... The entire campaign, the viral campaign with the QR code. I know a lot of people were pissed off. You waited the whole show. We got little images of the White Rabbit, and we got, you know, teases during the show. I think they 
tease that 2D graphic or that that 8-bit graphic rather um, during the Brawling Brutes entrance, the bunny rabbit hopping through the forest and digging up the X that we've seen on Friday night. We saw little glimpses of teases throughout the show. I know a lot of people were pissed off because we've seen the Extreme Rules logo pop up on the screen. Where's Bray? Where's Bray? We haven't seen anything since the beginning of the show. This is signature Triple H. When you see that, and then you see the show continuing to go on, that is signature Triple H. He did that notoriously with NXT TakeOver. Nice edit touch as well. Michael Cole asking Corey Graves, are we still on the air? Guys, are we still on the air? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. There was also a great visual where they actually got it from the commentary desk because I don't know if it was Bray's lantern mask, you know, the mask that was covering his fiend lantern, or if it was the burned face of the fiend. I don't know what was on their desk, but it was a bloody mask or a bloody face on their desk. They got up. They were fucking creeped the fuck out. Everything about this was great. This was all fantastic. It did take away from the main event. And Monday Night Raw is going to be a lot more interesting come Monday. Where does he go now? What is he back for? What is he going to say? Who is he with? Is he with anybody? We don't know. But like I said in the beginning, that man being back made a lot of people happy. The interest in the WWE product has been high. Ticket sales have been through the roof. The show was 15,000 sold out. Royal Rumble's on its way to selling out. WrestleMania is probably sold out by now. WWE right now is on a hot streak that they have not seen in well over a decade. Probably more. That's due to the direction the show is going. That's due to giving the fans a little bit of what they want every single week. That has to do with Paul Levesque. With Bray being back, it is going to take the WWE interest to a a completely new level. And now with him back, things are going to be a little bit more creative. Things are going to be a little bit more you know, unpredictable. He's back with a purpose. He's back for a reason. I hope that reason makes everybody happy. And I don't know how anybody can be unhappy with what he's doing now in this administration compared to what they had him doing before. They're going to get it right this time. We just have to trust the process. But what they did tonight was a unbelievable first step into making him a true face of the company. What they did with this viral campaign was brilliant. He should be very pleased with how everything's worked out so far. He should be pleased with that reaction. He's not going to sleep tonight knowing that that man is fucking adored. That reaction is bone chilling. You don't really get that. Not many people get that type of reaction. Of all people, Wyndham Rotunda got that reaction. Goes to show you how valuable and how much that man was missed. Unbelievable. We're going to see it on Monday. Very much excited for Raw to see if we see him on Monday. I hope so. Because that's one hell of a fucking screw job. If we don't see him, we see him on Sunday, or Saturday rather, and we don't see him on Monday and he doesn't speak. People are going to be waiting with bated breath to hear that man speak and what he's got to say and why he's back. Guys, I very much appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. We had 50, well, 5,300 tonight. Close to 5,300 tonight. Unbelievable. Thank you guys very much. We're going to get into the Super Chats. You guys can continue getting them on in. We're going to hang out in just a second. Continue to get those memberships in. Become a VIP, a channel member, right here on Off The Script. 
get those emotes, those badges. It's a good time, man. It's a good time being a VIP. VIP only chats on Sundays when we go live with the flagship podcast. So you guys want to get in on that now if you guys want to be a part of the live stream chat. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. It's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and the Cameo. Links are down in the description below. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. I need 2,500 likes. We need 200 more likes for 2,500. Make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up. Helps out the channel tremendously. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Welcome to the Fresh Ball Fall. Uh, It certainly feels like fall outside. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping on cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. Tonight's show is brought to you by Manscaped's company that is going to make sure your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with code SCRIPT20 at checkout. You guys are going to get the performance package, or I should say the platinum package 4.0. With this glorious package, your hygiene routine is going to be wrapped up in all of the things you need, man. 10-part platinum package is everything you know and love about the performance package, plus some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game. Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which has both skin-safe technology to protect your del- delicate parts. Uh, the lawnmower is waterproof. In addition to shaving, you cannot complete your upgrade and, and, and your shower routine is going to be taken to the next level with the ultra-premium body wash and ultra-premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Also, aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant. And you guys are going to also get the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Manscaped is also even throwing two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and Manscaped's boxers, both specially made to hold your goodies. Get the Platinum Package. This fall, these products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. Manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping with code SCRIPT20 at checkout. That's 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com, clear out the leaves, guys. It's your trunk or it's your tree's trunk. Time to shine. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Uh, We're going to start at the top. Joseph Taylor. Got a $2 Super Chat. Favorite Shield match. Easy. Wyatt's. That first six-man tag team match with the Wyatt's. No doubt about it. Alan McDonald. Australian. $20 Super Chat. Damage control officially buried. I don't care about them at all now. What point is there in a War Games match with damage control in it if Bianca can beat all three of them by herself? You basically answered your own question, Alan. How do we care about damage control? They only have three. Meanwhile, Bianca has, right now, four. There's Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, and Candice LeRae. They're going to need to add another female 
on her side, and they need to add two more females on Bailey's side. Who those two females are going to be, I don't know. It's going to be a five-on-five. We will see who joins the war in damage control. Alan McDonald also with another $20 Super Chat. Okay, aside from my issue with the booking of the ladder match, this show was fantastic, and the ending with Bray's return was sensational. Excellent show. I wouldn't say it was an excellent show. I would say it was a it, it was definitely a thumbs up show for sure. Michelle Moran, two dollars super chat. Where was AJ during the Edge and Beth beatdown? I have no idea. It's a good question. We will see what happens on Monday Night Raw. I'm sure that will be raised. That question will be raised. Jeremy Harris with a ten dollars super chat. Yes, it finally happened. I almost cried. JD Bray Wyatt has returned. I love the way he returned. What's next for Bray? I wonder. It's good to see him back. Cheers to the best podcast. Thank you, Jeremy Harris. I think everybody was happy to see Bray. Tony Brown. Awesome show, JD. Great meet, too. Absolutely, brother. We got Bianca and Bailey in one match, man. You can't get any better than that. And Nikita Lyons was on the show, but we didn't see any of her meet. Tuesday night. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Seth and Riddle had a good match, but Bray ruled. Sinister Classic with a $10 Super Chat. He's got the whole world in his hands. Chills for me and the wife. The mask game, black phone vibes. Yes, yes, black phone vibes. I like it. Think he comes back with multiple personalities. Also feel like he was the mascot. OTS for life. Thank you, Sinister. Good call on that one, man. Black Phone, definitely, which I thought was a very good movie. PMAC with a $5 Super Jack. Great show. The spanking match. You could see it from a mile away. The android Charlotte Hogan is going to be the only horsewoman to beat Bianca Belair. Please don't throw that into the universe, man. I I do not want to see that at all, ever. Please. Nobody wants to see that, dude. Josh DeBeast07 with a four-month membership. Huge Liv fan, and to be honest, on your tweet about Liv, I could agree she wasn't meant to have a long-term reign, but 98 days as champ, huge W for her career. No, it ain't. It's not a huge W for her career. She's... Going to be recognized as one of the most unimportant women's champions of the modern era. She did nothing with the championship, and her holding the championship didn't make the title or the division better. You could be a Liv Morgan fan, bro, but you could be a Liv Morgan fan and have a logical fucking take on the process as well. Give me a break. Jaxo 23 with a $5 Super Jet. Best pay-per-view of the year is Extreme Rules. No, it's not. No, it's not. Clash of the Castle is better. Kenneth Hardy with a 9.99 Super Chat. Holy shit. That was an epic introduction for Bray Wyatt, and that pop was crazy. Bro, not many people get that pop in this business. That man is something special. That's why he got that reaction. Cue the content guy with a 4.99 Super Chat. What's up, JD? That was a fun pay-per-view. Hunter has made WWE fun again and exciting. Can't wait for Sasha and Naomi to return. Also, Wyatt is a genius. Yes, he is. 
Uncle Willie with a two-month membership. Thank you, brother. I've been watching the scenes 13 years old. Now I'm 15 years old. I started to watch on February 28th, 2020, the SmackDown after WWE came back from Saudi. Thank you, Uncle Willie. Let me see where my bright tweet is at. My bright tweet is almost at 6,000 likes. It's unbelievable, man. My bright tweet is almost at 6,000 likes. Crazy. My boy Dante with a three-month membership. Thank you, brother. Let that man do his work. He will not only create magic, he will create money. I'm alone on this, but I believe he needs to be the only one to defeat Roman. Bro, if he's the one to defeat Roman, you ain't going to hear a complaint out of me, man. I would give it to him. And he's got a a built-in story. Why not? Jaxo23 with a $5 Superjack. JD, you predicted the ending of the Edge ballot match. I know I did. Goes along with everything else we talked about this year as well. I'm hardly ever wrong. It's imagination. With a new membership. Thank you, brother. The fuck are you drinking tonight, bro? Matt, the PW fan with a $100 super chat. Oh, my goodness. Bright Wyatt's return was one of the best that's ever been done. The production and the callback was amazing and very happy to see him back as the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. As am I. I thought that was the best Bray Wyatt. Thank you, brother, for the $100. That generosity means the world to me, man. Thank you. Charles Jerome with a four-month channel membership. Thank you, brother. One of the best WWE shows of the year along with Flash of the Castle, keep up the good work. Once again, JD, and cheers to you, dude. Also, an ice-cold Guinness on me. Thank you, brother. I'll be in Ireland in about 10 days. I'll be really having ice-cold Guinness. Reggie Smith with a 13-month membership. I'm back, JD, after a long three months. Reggie Smith, it is happy to have you back, brother. Grimsley with a $20 super chat. What a great opening match, but man, did Ronda and Liv gut punch the crowd. That was disgusting. And holy shit, dude, Bailey took some rough bumps. I was genuinely scared at the double KOD spot. I miss Bray, man. Eight out of 10 pay-per-view for me. Yeah, man, the Liv match was fucking awful. They're, they're both just bad. I don't know what else to tell you guys, man. Pay-per-view, I'd probably give a 7 out of 10, bro. Noah Driscoll with a $10 Super Chat. Not going to lie, they had me in the first half with the ending of the show, but my heart is full with happiness. Hashtag, he's got the whole world in his hands. Hashtag, welcome home, Wyndham. He, we've been waiting. Yeah, yeah, we've been waiting. Vincent Tarantini with a six-month membership. Extreme Rules was awesome. JD is awesome. And Raw is going to be awesome. Yeah? Should be a big night, brother. Looking forward to it. 
Tyler with a 499 Super Chat. Pop the champagne. The most creative mind in wrestling history is back. He's got the whole damn world in his hands. JP, $10 Super Chat. A bottle of the finest whiskey. Good sir. Bray Watts return has got me all celebratory. Would love to try this Bib and Tucker bourbon. I was foretold it goes quite well when crafting old fashions. Yes, the guy at Total Wines and Spirits told me the same exact thing. That's why I purchased it. I asked the guy, you know a thing or two about whiskeys? He's like, this is why I'm in the whiskey aisle. And I'm like, what's this Bib and Tucker? And I compared it to another bottle. He's like, I'm going with the Bib and Tucker. It just makes for a good old fashioned. Sold. Sold. No need to go any further, bro. Thank you for your help. Reggie Smith with a 1999 Super Chat. First Super Chat didn't go through like I wanted, but I would like to say what a return we got tonight by Triple H and Bray Wyatt. Breathtaking. Reggie Smith, yeah. Breathtaking is an excellent way to describe it, man. It was awesome. Uh, Nathan J. Uh, Hologram, get Nathan J. out of the chat, bro. Get Nathan J out of the chat. He says the I quit match ending sucks. Get him out. Fuck off Nathan J. Get him out. What a fucking retard, man. Coming in my fucking chat, giving me a fucking dog shit opinion like that. Get him out. Never, never coming back, bro. Get him out. Banned for life. From the fucking venue. Get him the fuck out. Uh, Tenario with a $5 super chat. What's up, JD? Question. Did you ever watch Lucha Underground and were you a fan? Yes, I was. I loved the way it was shot and filmed. Their vignettes and promos were fucking unbelievable. Tone Mooney with a $5 super chat. Great pay-per-view tonight. Epic pop for Bray. Yo, JD, can I get a shout-out for my birthday today, bro? OTS for life. Tone Mooney, happy birthday, bro. Enjoy it, man. You only get older. CJ McGlashan. Four months. Thank you, brother. Seeing way, uh, way. Seeing Bray Wyatt back is beautiful. Yes, it is, bro. Jonathan Roche with a $2 Super Chat. Hopefully no more matches between Liv and Ronda. Hopefully no more matches for either one of them, period. Shout out to my boy Salrex, man. My boy Salrex is back with a fucking fiery passion. Just texted me. We'll be doing pay-per-view thumbs going forward. So if you guys love the thumb, man, Salrex is my guy. There's a reason why I never hit up any graphics designs, man. He's got it. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Ali with a three-month membership. Thank you, Ali. JD, I'm so happy. Like you have no idea. Finally, we get to see the number one guy that we missed for so long, Bray Wyatt himself. Yes. Just the juicy one with the $2 Super Jet. I cried when the Tron went black. Holy amazing. Grimsley with a $5 super chat. I should start saving my money for jaw replacement surgery after seeing Scarlet tonight. Cross is a lucky man. Yes, he is. Money Senpai with a 
or a five-month membership. Good show. Could have been better, but Triple H is giving us banger after banger. And Bray Wyatt returns. JD, keep it up, man. You are the IWC GOATS. OTS for life. Teddy Love with a $5 super chat. I would like to thank Liv and Rhonda for helping my one-year-old son fall asleep. I'm drinking a not-your-father's root beer. Cheers, my OTS family and King JD. Brother, I haven't had a not-your-father's root beer in many, many, many years, man. They make a great complimentary fucking addition to a root beer float. Gotta love it. Tommy Brannigan with a $5 Super Chat. Best Extreme Rules show in years, followed by the king of the IWC, JD OTS for life. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, my brother, Tommy. Jerry Ramirez with a two-month membership. I've never been so excited for WWE pay-per-view in years. I definitely enjoyed it. Hope you have a great rest of the night, brother. Thank you, Jerry Ramirez. Nomad Jordan CC with a $2 Super Chat. Mask reminded me of the mask from the black phone, yeah? Absolutely, I thought it looked great. CK920. There was the black phone movie villain's mask. Grimsley with a five-dollar super chat. Hardy's at WrestleMania 33. Edge at the Rumble. Now Bray's return on my favorites in the past decade. Bray wins Rumble. I've given up on Ronda getting better. Yeah, Ronda has not gotten any better. In fact, I think Ronda's gotten worse. Riddick's Classic Arcade with a ten-dollar super chat. The mask was inspired by Vincent Price and Black Phone. Hey, I knew it had some Vincent Price to it, man. Jason Baker and Tom Savini did the masks for Black Phone and also everything for Bray. I live 20 minutes from their studio. Fan of Tom's for 40 years. He's a talented motherfucker, man. I'll tell you that right now. Jericho 8131 with a $10 Super Chat. Tonight was a hard reset for Bray. Back to the basics, but enhancing the gimmick. For every chance they ruined him, he finds an innovative way to rebuild himself. So glad he didn't go to AEW. I am glad he did not go to AEW either. Jaxo23 with a $50 Super Chat. One of the best WWE shows of the year, along with Clash of the Castle. Keep up the good work once again, JD. And cheers to you, dude. Also, Bray is back. Let's go. And let's go, Phillies. I'm not a Phillies fan. I'm a White Sox fan. Phillies versus Braves, round two of the playoffs. Yes, the Phillies uh, won tonight, right? I believe they won. It's Braves and Phillies, right? And then the Mets are going to get the Dodgers? Yeah. Tuesday. You know, the Phillies are a little unpredictable, man. You know, Phillies, the Phillies could beat the Braves. I think the Phillies had uh, a decent time against the Braves this year. Thank you, Jack. So I appreciate your generosity, bro. $50. Thank you, man. Philip Newton with a 199 Super Chat. Tonight wasn't a bad show. I hope WWE gets better. 
The WWE has gotten better, bro. What are you talking about? Bushi Clementine with a twenty dollars super chat. Trips legit punked me out with the logo, dude, bro. This is a this is vintage Triple H, bro. Don't be punked out by it. He did the same thing with NXT Takeover. It was vintage Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champ. Other than Bray returning, the coolest thing tonight was the image of Gunther and Sheamus rising from the from prone head to head. This time so well by all three men. Good old NXT vibes, indeed. I know, where are the Mets playing tomorrow? The Mets are playing tomorrow where? In New York? San Diego doesn't get any games in San Diego? I don't understand why... Uh... What's with those schedules, man? All three games are in New York? It's kind of fucked up, no? I thought they did uh, two in New York and then one in San Diego, no? It's ridiculous. Zachary Bubsby with a 999 Super Chat. The most interesting thing about Karrion Cross is Scarlet, and that's the problem. All due respect to his athleticism and dedication to his craft, but he's just not a main event star. Hell of a show, though. Yeah, I hate this new wild card shit, man. Legitimately, you know, realistically, the Mets could lose being a 100-win team and not go into the playoffs. JT Golden with a 499 Super Chat. Alexa Bliss needs to stay away from Bray and his gimmick. Yes, she does. Tyler with a 499 Super Chat. Liv Morgan's Twitter is all blacked out. Profile pic and background photo are black. She's probably undergoing a gimmick change. Maybe she's with Bray. Who the fuck knows? Maybe she ends up with Bray Wyatt. Bushy Clementine with a $5 Super Chat. Or we could not do a trios belt and remind people that Freebird rules exist. Listen, man, I have no problem with the trios title. They want to do trios. Trios titles would mean more to WWE than the women's tag team titles. Mendelfs, Isma with a five-month membership, had to stop by and say, what a return. It certainly delivered. Thank you, Mendelfs. Always happy to have you here, brother. Tyler, 199. Also, Seth Rollins' Twitter is all black as well. Ah, whatever. I think, uh, yes, Grant Hooligram. I think uh, I think Liv Morgan is actually dating Bray's uh, brother, Bo, yes. Big Rick with a two-month membership. Thank you, brother. Jaxo with a $5 Super Jack. Damage control is dead. I wouldn't say that they're dead, but they're not really, uh, they're not really, uh, they're not really all that exciting. I wouldn't say they're dead or on life support yet, but they're, they're, they're getting there. They got one foot in the hospital door. The script keeper with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, I think Nikita Lyons and Braun Breaker were there because they are the next NXT call-ups. What do you think? OTS for life. Uh, I, I don't think Braun Breaker is getting called up until he loses the title. And I think Nikita Lyons should win the NXT women's title from Mandy Rose. 
And I think the next call-up is Carmelo Hayes, because that's the one that makes the most sense. RJ Clutton with a three-month membership. Thank you, brother. Can't tell you how much I appreciate your show, JD. Seeing so many of my opinions come from your mic is amazing. Respect, brother. OTS for life. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Tenario128 with a $5 super chat. JD, can I get an impression of Vince and Bruce booking Extreme Rules with Kevin Dunn? Uh, you know, Tenario, I love you, brother. Um, we're not going to do any impressions of Vince and Bruce booking Extreme Rules because we are well beyond that, man. We are well beyond Vince and Bruce booking anything WWE related. So we're not going to do it. $1 super chat by the cake. Thank you, brother. Terrence with a new membership. Thank you, man. Jack Perez with a $2 super chat. I can't wait to go to Monday Night Raw. Have a good time, bro. Hopefully Bray is there. Munchie time with a 19-month membership. Awesome review, JD. Super happy and hyped for Wyatt to be back. That man now has more freedom to advance his character under Triple H's leadership. Cheers. Jack's out 23 with a $50 super chat. Bray's return was amazing and the pop he got was great. Also, the Rousey versus Morgan match was boring. So Raw is going to be interesting with the bloodline and Bray appearing on the same show. Also, Rollins is going to win the U.S. title since he lost tonight. I could see that. Can we get some Pantera during the Super Chat music? Unless you want me to get a copyright strike, Nila, uh, I, I can't do that. Yes, Roman Reigns is going to be on Raw, right? The Bloodline's going to be on Raw. DX reunion. Going to be a big show, man. Going to be a big show. New York. Big Rick 77 with a $5 Super Jack. Great job again, JD. You really helped me understand today's wrestling. I'm 63, dude, so it's very helpful. Thank you, Big Rick. Always here to help you, brother. Chris Elliott with a 199 Super Jack. Feeling heartbroken. Sarah Lee passed away on my birthday. Yeah, man, that's a sad story. I know they got a GoFundMe page. I know Bray retweeted the GoFundMe page. I think they got almost $100,000 for the GoFundMe, which is awesome. When the wrestling community wants to get together, man, they do uh, powerful things. Grand Syndicate with a 999 Superjet. Do you think Cody Rhodes pushes over now that Wyatt returned? Absolutely not. Francisco with a $5 Superjet. I'm so glad Bray is back and cannot wait for him to start this new run. And there was actually people who wanted him to go to Impact. Man, I don't even have the energy right now to laugh at Impact. Fuck Impact. Black's Bro with a 999 Super Chat. The Bray return gave me chills the same way I got it when John Cena returns to the Royal Rumble in 2008. Yeah, it was was awesome, bro. Francisco. $2 $2 Super Chat. What is your favorite Bray Wyatt match, JD? 2014 Royal Rumble with Brian Danielson. Daniel Bryan. One-on-one match. The Three Kings with the 499 Super Chat. Now that Bray is back and will likely be the last big return for a while, the anticip- is the anticipation for Sasha Naomi return fizzling out? 
Um, I'm not really concerned about Sasha, bro. Sasha's going to do what Sasha needs to do. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. JD, should I watch Black Phone? Is it good? Yes, you should, and yes, it is good. I believe it's on Peacock. You can watch it on Peacock. Francisco with a $5 super chat. Abandon all hope. Ye who enter the OTS venue with stupid comments. Get them out. Now, Brian, 2019 was their strap match at the Royal Rumble. I'm talking about the 2014 Royal Rumble, which was better than the 2019 match. The Eater of Worlds Bray wrestled Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble. Jake Ake, $5 Super Chat. JD, I wouldn't mind a Seattle Mariners versus Atlanta Braves World Series. Go Mariners. I don't think the Mariners or the Braves are going to the World Series, but uh, one could wish, bro. Divisionary with a $2 Super Chat. $250 Super Chat. Let me get... Let me get a my precious little for the Bray Wyatt return, the little hobbitses. <laughs> and Tenario, a $5 super chat. This I could do, bro. Can I get an Android smiley Raquel? Oh, my goodness, man. What a review. You guys are great. You guys are awesome, man. I appreciate you. Listen, man, we need... uh, We need about 60 likes. 65 likes for 2,500. If you guys are in the chat, I'm going to get in the Mustang. We'll talk in the Mustang. Listen, if you guys... If not, hit the thumbs up, man. We need 65 likes for 2,500, okay? So let's do it. Let's do it, man. I think we uh, we kicked this review's ass. What do you say? Hit that thumbs up, guys. Thank you for the super chat and love. Thank you for the memberships. Thank you for... Uh, did we hit 138,000 tonight? I certainly hope so. We're, we're almost there, I'm assuming. We're about 90 subscribers away from 138,000, man. Thank you guys very much for that. And I will see you the next time you see me, man. We'll be on Monday Night Raw. Actually, no, I'm lying. Not Monday Night Raw. Tomorrow night you'll see me. Episode 4, uh, 447. We'll be live. We'll go over the week's news. We'll hang out. We'll talk pro wrestling. It'll be a good time. Members only tomorrow. It's going to be VIP only tomorrow. So make sure you guys get those uh, channel memberships in. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for notifications. Check out Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 
20% off and free shipping. And make sure you guys uh, RSVP to the tomorrow stream. That should be a good one. Should be a good one. Bray Wyatt came back. Edge and Finn Balor had a clinic tonight. Excellent storytelling. Brawling Brutes and Imperium had a fucking war. Awesome. Thumbs up show. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. I got to be up early tomorrow more this morning, I should say. Uh, so I'm going to get some sleep. Thank you for a great night. Thank you for the generosity. Thank you for your love and support. I need those guitar emojis. I need those rock on emojis in the chat. If you don't got them, the guitar emojis are fine. And I need that music on max. Guys, thank you so very much for all the love. I'll see you tomorrow night right here on the podcast right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.